Hi, everyone. Welcome to Office Hours. If you are watching on YouTube, you can find out more about what we do at officehours.global. Our first hour is general discussion about virtual and digital production. Second hour is usually something we want to spend a little bit more time on. And uh, today we're going to talk about mics. <laughs> so we're going to talk about our mics, Ruthless Review, and uh, we will uh, um, be going through that with each one of them. It's a great, great way for us to learn. So, uh, so stay tuned for that. Let's go ahead and jump into the questions. Bill, what do we have? Our first one comes from Scott Mueller in Germantown, New York, and Scott says, Zoom just let go of 15% of its workforce. Is this a bad sign for the future of Zoom events and the use of Zoom in production? And he just notes, I just bought all this gear. Go ahead, Nigel. Yeah, so panic ye not. Uh, Silicon Valley is going through a bit of a cleansing motion at this point. I think Zoom probably kicked it off by getting rid of uh, 75% of the workforce and keep going. And I think the the market is, uh, particularly Wall Street, is looking for people to make some savings. Um, so I wouldn't panic. I don't think you've made a bad investment. It's not even clear from the stuff I've read which or who they're letting go. It's not like they're shutting departments down or shutting particular units down. I think this is uh, done for the market. It's done for the share price, and it's probably done to do a bit of spring cleaning. Go ahead, Jeffrey. Yeah, and, and everything that I've seen from all these layoffs has been middle management. It's been uh, people that you know, they if they if they were gone, they were gone. They they might not be able to add anything, but uh, they're, they're definitely going to be moving from there. And I'll see a lot. We might see companies that didn't expect to trim their fat all of a sudden start trimming their fat. So I think we're fine. Go ahead, Jesse. Uh, this is, uh, it's it's unfortunate, and I hope my answer doesn't sound callous because my heart does go out to everybody who, who lost their job yesterday. But when you see a company grow like Zoom did over the last three years, they need uh, just a tremendous staff to build all the infrastructure that they were building. And once once the high rise is built, you don't need the construction workers anymore, but you do still need, you know, maintenance. So there's going to be a, a trimming of staff that was a little expected. And again, not trying to sound callous when I say it. Uh, my, my thoughts are first with the, the workers and the families who are rearranging their lives right now. Go ahead, Bill. All of that, you know, they went from 2,500 before the pandemic to over 6,000 employees in a very short period of time. So at some point uh, when the dust settles and the pandemic starts settling down, you really have to look through an organization and figure out what's the right size for us. So I, I see this as that. And again, I, I echo what was just said. Uh, it's, it's very tough on a lot of families out there, but I think it's a necessary part of the growth process of a business. Yeah, it it's always hard to 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 manage that because you if you start thinking about what it means to real people, it's it's problematic. Um, the reality, though, is the most expensive thing for every company is is their labor cost. <laughs> payroll is as someone who had a company with a bunch of people in it. Uh, payroll is the thing, you know, and you have to be constantly managing it. And it's the and sometimes it's the only lever you have that you can that you can um, manage. And so um, so I think that it made sense. I you know, it's it's hard again, because there's so many people, even people that we know that have been affected. And, um, and that, um, you know, it's, it's, it has nothing to do with the folks, it just means that somebody has to cut into muscle to get to, <laughs> to figure out, you know, how do we keep going? You know, and um, and I think that all the companies have been doing this except except for Apple, <laughs> but but they just hire so slowly. Um, but they had, you know, Zoom had to expand dramatically to man manage the demand, as was said before, and has to now correct for that um, as they kind of go back to a more normal situation. But I think that I don't see any. I guess I just don't see any competition. You know, to be honest, like I don't see anybody, you know, hedging 
what Zoom is doing in the video space. Um, I think that some of the other stuff might be more challenging for Zoom, but I think that in the video space, we don't see a lot of competition. So, um, so I think that they're in a pretty good space. Go ahead, Jesse. Um, there's, there's another lever that can be pulled and they actually pulled it this time. The CEO took a huge pay cut this year and the executive leadership took 20% off their base salary. And I was, I was really happy to see the, uh, that this was like a, a top down participation, which, I, I, you know, usually there's the golden parachute thing going on. I, I will say, I agree with you that, that the blog post and the actions that the executive team did probably the best I've seen from any company that's been, that's going through this right now. Like I, I, I think that they, the pitch was correct. Um, and they, they knew that everybody had to feel some, you know, feel some pain, you know, related to that. And I think they did, they did it as about as well as you can. Um, next question. Josh Kaufman, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Up next, when a client wishes to not have a visible microphone in the frame, including a lav, what are the pros and cons of mic positions above, below, or to the side of the frame? What mic selection for a wide-framed talking head indoors? Go ahead, Jesse. Um, you can build the lavalier into the costume. If you work with a, with a costume designer, you can, you can actually get it sewn in perfectly, and there won't be any ruffle noise because of how it's built. Uh, yeah, go ahead, uh, Mitchell. Yeah, my preference is a two-mic system and neither of them being seen. Um, like uh, Jesse said, there's many places you can stick a uh, lab and not be seen. It can be under the clothing. Uh, you can even put it inside the knot in a tie, which is really a quick way to get a nice little uh, uh, non-sound rubbing uh, type microphone placement. Any others, a boom. And if you record both of them, you can do a mix of both or one will cover the other, particularly if the lav is on a wireless system and you get a little uh, hit at an uh, inopportune time, the uh, the boom can cover it. So two, uh, two uh, out-of-sight mics, all for it. Go ahead, Grant. Yeah, I don't know if this is for a live or a recorded, like if it's into Zoom. Um, I'm a fan of not having my mic in, in frame, but it's it's really close. Um, I, I've had a lot of success using a boundary mic, um, uh, for interviews. And so I can, I can sit it just out of frame because it's nice and flat. They sit nice and flat on a table just in front of the, of the person. I get a really good sound out of it and there's no fear of them hitting their chest or anything like that. It, um, it, it works really nicely. So I use an AKG boundary mic. It's like a hundred bucks. It sounds really good. Is that what you're using now? I, I, caught, I, I threw it right back to him. You, you, caught, you, you caught me uh, on my mute button. I was only thinking how, how successful my mute button's been. Um, no, I've got the, I've got the AKG. Um, and because of where it's sitting in the frame and the, 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 uh, the, uh, the stand that I have it on, um, yeah. I think it works great. Yeah. Absolutely. And then which, which model of the, are you using? Oh, we'll talk about that in the second hour. We don't have to talk about it now. Go ahead, Guy. Yeah, typically you're going to look at a shotgun or a hyper. Uh, on a lot of sets, you'll see the, the Shep CMC 641. And uh, a trick that some Hollywood folks will do is they call it bust in the frame, where um, if the mic comes into the frame, you're, you're, you're in it. But uh, what some of these guys are doing is they'll, and we do it with our ATEM, Alex does it when he disappears. You can make a mic disappear, just take the mic out of the shot snap a background and then you can crop the mic when it's boom back in out so it's a simple trick that some folks will use either live or in post-production to be able to get a mic back in the shot uh, even though it's not there but if there is a change to like the lighting or something like that then uh, it'll it'll show up so you got to be careful 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of the things that we've used in the past have been have been shotgun mics um, overhead. So, uh, so the, the the there should be a shotgun mic overhead, um, and then the big thing is treating the room. So when we're, when we're using shotgun mics, um, it's not so much what mic we're using. Um, a lot of times we've used the NT2 or the or the Sennheiser 416. Um, but what we do is we blanket when we have someone who wants to have a wider shot and they don't want to have anything in the frame, and we're going to stick that because their head is here that shotgun can typically be right outside of frame. And we'll move it down until it's in frame and then pull it back out again to make sure it's as close as it can be. We put a carpet on the floor, and if we'll, if we're allowed to, we'll put blankets all the way around them, uh, sound blankets all the way around them. And we will actually create those sound blankets at either half or full fullness, which means that there's a lot of wrinkles to them. And they're going to suck up all of the reflection that's around them. So they can have the look that they want. Um, and of course, if they're at home, they're not going to do this. <laughs> you know, like they're going to, and then it's going to sound roomy. The big problem that you have really is the roomy sound that you get as the mic moves away. Um, um, so, but by, by doing, by cutting down on all those reflections, we're not making it, we're not sound isolating, but we're massively cutting down on the reflections. Um, next question. Zach Phillips in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. What is the difference in quality and or bit rate between video from the ATEM webcam USB versus using a capture card? Assuming any color and keying is done in the ATEM hardware, are we settled on the USB being broadcast quality? Go ahead, Mitchell. Uh, a lot of us uh, use A10, not all of us, but uh, the uh, inherent problems with the UVC connection there is a little bit of uh, crushing of the blacks, which the A10s inherently do, and the uh, the dreaded uh, uh, A10 gray, which is uh, a, an issue that's going to be dealt with hopefully soon. Um, there's other devices out there that can do basically the same thing. Most like to use a USB connection, uh, like the Roland UVC-02 we've been talking about, and uh, other devices. And I have my uh, my little uh, 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 blue uh, Condor Blue uh, uh, converter that also uses USB. So I would say USB, as long as it's 1080, um, is okay. Um, you want to go above that? Not so many uh, options. I'll go ahead, Alex. Not just about the resolution, it's about the type of um, UVC signal it's sending out. So as far as I know with the ATEM Mini, it's using an MJPEG compressed format, whereas the Roland encoders are YUY2 uncompressed. That does make a, a difference in the level of, of quality of, of the overall, and I just hit my mic boom. Um, that does make a difference with the overall color quality. I know Guy's done some tests and some he's used scope, so he could probably speak more to the actual overall quality of what the Roland is putting out. But that's that's what my experience has been. And I'm using a Roland UVC-02. If you don't actually need the mic preamp and the processing and all the buttons, you can just get the UVC-01. That is just a straight-up HDMI in, USB out, and you can save yourself some dollars there. Good guy. Yeah, as Alex was saying, uh, we've ran some tests with these cheap capture cards, and Alex wanted to do this test as well. So I actually bought the gear and, and did the test. I should have uh, left it all hooked up so you guys could see the visual difference on scopes, but there is a massive difference, and especially on the cheaper ones, you can see the shift in the color. Even, unfortunate to say this, but it, even the ATEM, the Blackmagic ATEM Mini, has a definite color twist. So you, you can see it. You'd have to line it back up with uh, hue or make a, a change. And then the difference in actual quality, You like uh, Alexander was saying, you're throwing away a bunch of color by going i don't even know if we're getting 8-bit out of or 10-bit out of these uvcs uh, so you with a proper capture card like an aja yuan 
um, Blackmagic, one of the Decklink duos, those will definitely give you the full uncompressed full meal deal. So if you want the best looking show, use one of the better cards, not just a simple USB capture device. Yeah, and I would say for for your average, uh, for most of your Zoom stuff and things that you do that there, you're probably fine. Um, and this is a this is a the way that the color range it's it's actually turned out to be a pretty complex problem between uh, how the A10 is sending out the audio video and how Zoom is interpreting it, um, and how other things are interpreting because some apps don't interpret it that way and some do. So it's a mismatch between those and. I have a feeling it'll probably get sorted out over time. Um, the um, so that's the thing. It is compressed. Um, so when you're as as everyone said here, when you have a card, you're going to have the option to get uncompressed video, still four two two, but but uncompressed video in, which is sometimes actually much more problematic for a lot of your apps because they now have to convert that back down again. So um, just you want to think through that as well. Next question. Next one comes to us from Jacob Goodnight in Indianapolis, Indiana. And Jacob says, are there any tools or plugins that can correct poor eye contact in editing? Does anything exist that's similar to NVIDIA's new real-time AI tool, but for post-production? Uh, Jeff? You know, I was waiting for uh, hopefully someone to step up with an actual answer. So I, so I raised my hand when no one else had. Just uh, <laughs> so I don't have an answer directly to the editing post uh, process editing. I was just going to give one tip, uh, perhaps for the future, and just a reminder that uh, FaceTime has the auto eye contact feature that if you can bring that person in perhaps in the future or someone else that maybe has this problem and you can bring them in at least over FaceTime, uh, it's got that option that they can turn on, which even if they're not looking, it automatically corrects for better, for worse, makes it appear that they're looking at the camera. And one other tip that I use um, is you can, if it's, let's say, Zoom like it is right now, you can take the grid and resize the window until they get a little bit smaller and just try and position whatever you're going to be looking at uh, as close to where the camera is relative to your screen uh, to get at least close to or better eye contact. Go ahead, Jeffrey. Yeah, in fixing a lot of these things, you run into new problems. And so that that's what I, I was I was playing with the NVIDIA stuff a couple of weeks ago with a couple other people. And uh, the one thing that it really does is it throws off your facial expressions. And, you know, there's there's people out there that read facial expressions. We had the presidential thing last night, and there are probably going to be a whole bunch of YouTubes on people on how they squint and how they uh, smile and how everything. So if you're trying to say something true and you're having AI all of a sudden move your eyes to a different position, you've just completely ruined with facial expressions what you're trying to say. So I'd, I'd stay away from it. Maybe there'll be a camera one day that'll actually move to your eyes and uh, run around every time uh, every time you move your head. Go ahead, Mitchell. I'm with Jeffrey on that. I don't think any automatic uh, system out there can do it uh, really well. Occasionally, the NVIDIA looks kind of cool, and then it doesn't, and that's when you have a problem. So what I do to fix that exact problem in post is I bring it into After Effects and use Mocha Pro to uh, remap where the eye positions are, and you can tweak the heck out of it and get it very, very convincing. Yeah, I don't recommend doing anything to someone's face. 
<laughs> like you know, so so that I recommend figuring that out in capture. Um, the way that we do uh, captures for this, and the way we've been done done them for the last fifteen years, is using an Teratron. So if you're going to in, interview someone, you put them in front of a teleprompter, and you have the person interviewing them on the other side of a teleprompter, another teleprompter. Oftentimes, we have them in the same room. <laughs> you know, so we started in the same room, and then we moved to Skype, and then we moved to Hangouts, then we moved to Zoom. But you basically have them looking straight into the camera through a teleprompter um, view, which is a, a bunch of us have here. Um, and, and that really makes a big difference on, on that eye contact of how it looks. But it's really something you do in capture. If you miss it at all, um, you know, and, and, you, and something isn't quite right as, what, as what's been said before, it, it weirds out the viewer. You know, and it just, it means that they're never going to, they're going to be constantly looking at your eyes and trying to figure out what is going on. Something will feel off. And we really, a lot of times technologists get into, oh, we can do this thing, but they don't really think about how it makes us feel, you know, and you may not notice that the eyes are being corrected, <clears throat> but something will feel wrong, you know, and when it feels, how you feel watching a piece, talking to someone or watching it is probably 60 to 70% of the experience. Um, and people think it's what, you're, what it's just what you're saying and we just want to make it do the thing that we're going to do. But how someone feels in that process is so important because they're not conscious to it. So they'll make a bunch of decisions that they're not, they don't even see because they're, they'll decide that you're smart, that you're not smart, that you're, you're a good or you're not good. They're, they'll decide that you're real or you're not real. And they'll make that decision without any conscious thought. And that is so hard to move. It is so hard to move that around after it's happened that it is, it is far more devastating to have something feel off. And that's why we try to avoid virtual backgrounds. And we try to avoid a lot of these other things because we take away the realness of what we're doing. And I think a lot of times when we want to get away from Zoom and we want to we talk about Zoom um, fatigue and we want to get away from Zoom, it's not the communication like what we're having here because we don't, you know, it's not, it is a, it's bad audio, bad video, virtual backgrounds, stupid little hats, weird noses, all the things that, that, that these companies keep on adding to this thing because, because people ask for them. But everyone keeps, you know, everyone wants all this cr crazy stuff. But what makes a difference is meaningful conversation and meaningful connection. And even if you're interviewing someone, that's what you want. I have to admit that I've, I've even gotten to a point where when I see interviews with someone looking the traditional off camera, which I did for, you know, a decade, I, it feels weird now. <laughs> like after you used to Zoom and you're looking at people, I just want, I, I feel like uh, Errol Morris and, and the people before him uh, that, that really, Errol Morris made it popular, but the people before them that did it were really a couple decades ahead, you know, and I feel like this is how I want all the interviews to happen too when I, when I start thinking about it. And I started doing this a long time ago because we had a client that was dead set on doing it. And I was like, this is crazy. This is hard. And we, we shouldn't be doing this. And I was wrong. Go ahead, guy. Yeah, we just had this happen last week where we did a, a nonprofit uh, interview and the, the first the director came and stood next to the camera and she wanted to do the interview classic style like you were talking about. And then we had her move to the other room because there, there was a prompter where the gentleman could look into and you could you should have seen the way he lit up when he saw her on the other end. I mean, total different facial dynamic. And then he was able to look right down the center of the screen and look fantastic. So I've seen the future. It, it, it's amazing. If you can get two rooms with... With teleprompter, oh my God, it's it's a game changer. What's funny is is that we even prefer to have the person not in the in the building. Like we prefer to bring them in over Zoom than have them in the building at all because 
Um, the, it, the delay in Zoom actually makes it easier to edit. <laughs> so we don't, have, we don't have open mics against it and it gives them a second to do what they're doing. And so uh, it actually makes the edit easier if the person is coming in over Zoom than if they're in the same room. Uh, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, you mentioned, of course, the ideal, something like a teleprompter. Um, any tips for folks just coming in uh, over traditional Zoom with a camera um, for, for improving that eye contact? I mean, the main thing is to look up, you know, look at the camera. And, and the problem is, is that, that you're not getting the reactions and so on and so forth. I just put a new camera in to test. So I don't have my teleprompter up right now. So I'm, I'm looking at you now. I'm looking at me or I'm looking at the program right now. And now I'm looking at the camera. So it's a, it's a very minor thing. I'm looking down at the, at the program here. I'm looking at the camera and looking straight into it. And so, and it's just because I had to, I can't figure out how to get an FR7 to to sit in my teleprompter rig, <laughs> so so that's why we're that's why we're that's why it's, it's sitting out right now. Um, but the uh, um, anyway, so so I think that you have to look at the camera, and we're used to this. For those of us who have been in broadcasts, um, you, you get used to looking at the camera because you never get a return feed back when you're looking at like CNN or a morning news show. They're all looking just at a camera, and you can see. When I look at the camera, my eyes don't converge on a person and they don't respond to that person. And so it is a different, it's a different, literally my face is different when I don't see a person in front of the camera. It's, and so it's, it's an interesting puzzle. Yeah, go ahead, Tony. Yeah, one of the things that I've noticed recently in my house of worship experience is that I am, I'm still looking to the audience for uh, feedback and I'm, I'm using the teleprompter and after watching it, it is definitely a no-no. You definitely want to keep focus on looking directly into the camera. It makes a tremendous difference when you're when you're trying to engage with people that are on the screen. You shouldn't be doing that straight ahead. And and you know people will say, well, that's not natural, or people aren't used to that, or or that's not the way. You know, you you should be however the person feels. Well, we when we moved from stage, you know, we, we, people talk a lot about this when we move from stage to film. Uh, there are a group of people that just couldn't make that work. They really needed people in the audience. They really need people in front of them. But we have to remember that most of what we watch now are is someone, when you see someone emoting on your favorite TV show, they just remember that there's a camera in front of them with an operator and there are 50 people around them that are doing other things other than looking at them. There's oftentimes nobody in front of them and they're making all of that up to be in front of the camera. What we're talking about are people, you know, the next generation of educators, speakers, and entertainers are all going to be able to do what we're doing here and talk to a teleprompter, but not need a big audience in front of them. That is, you know, and it's just, it's just an evolution of, of the art. Um, go ahead, Jeffrey. And the most important thing is to, if you really need to have them make eye contact and have them stare into that black little void that's the camera, is to take all the distraction, the other distractions away. And Very we're good. all sitting at our desks. We got the monitors up. I'm seeing myself. I saw the mail person just pass by. And uh, if you can, uh, what I've been doing is uh, for, if I have to do anything at home, I, I have to I ask them to move their laptops out of the way and put them on the side and maybe put like a small piece of tape like, or, a, or a picture of a face that they can look at and then get clo as close to the uh, camera as possible. Yeah. And when we build this for other people, we literally um, build a cocoon for them. You know, it's basically all blacked out. All of our people on the other side are behind duvetine or, or, or curtains. And we try to make sure that they don't see anybody except for the camera. Next question. 
Next one comes to us from Josh Kaufman in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and he's talking about movie theater marketing, and he says it's not clear. 3D, Dolby 3D, 3D XD, IMAX 3D, screen size and shape, IMAX size variations. I've read that Dolby 3D audio may have advantages over IMAX. Is 3D XD LIMAX? Where is the sweet spot to take in a 3D movie? Go ahead, Graham. Yeah, so I got to uh, experience Avatar uh, in IMAX 3D, uh, and then I went to a, a, a large cinema and saw it in Real D um, 3D. And my my preference was the Real D um, versus IMAX. And and what was weird about that is that the the IMAX was the screen was too large um, for for what I was seeing and the the type of format that it was in. It was pixelating a little bit, you know, like the, the, the text I could see that was coming up sometimes, the captions, um, the open captions, um, were, were pixelated um, on the IMAX screen. Um, but the, in Real D, a little bit smaller, um, it wasn't quite as bright. Like there's, there's so many different trade-offs. Hands down, the audio in IMAX was way, way better, like it absolutely was. Um, but from a 3D experience, um, I, I just find it hard that the light, you know, the um, uh, you know, it feels like a stop, a stop and a half that you lose when you when you put on those glasses, and I miss that when I when you when you pull it off sometimes and just see um, what's going on. But I agree, all the marketing, I don't understand um, all those all the different names, but I know what looks and sounds good. Yeah, the. I think that the Dolby Dolby is probably a little higher resolution and higher uh, in, in higher resolution both in audio and video as 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 it presents itself. Uh, IMAX is just a is just an experience because it's such a large screen in front of you, and it depends on where you sit as well. One of the things that's interesting is that you want to sit in different places depending on the type of theater. Um, there's usually in any given theater there's about ten seats that I'm willing to buy. Uh, if I'm not, I, I'll just wait until I can get to those ten seats. Um, that's why I didn't see Avatar for a long time. I did see it in in IMAX. In IMAX, you're going to sit in the upper upper quarter, um, so you're at the front of the upper quarter. So you're typically five or six rows from the back, and the reason you do that. You, you actually get a better view at, at the second row from the back in an IMAX theater, but you can't hear the surround speakers as well. So if you move forward just about th about three or four more rows down, you're going to get you're going to be able to hear the surrounds as well as get a great view of the of the screen. If you sit in the traditional middle of the screen, uh, middle of the of the um, uh, of the thing, the screen will be too big because it just it fills up your entire. And some people like that. Um, if you sit in the front, it's I don't even know why people buy those tickets anyway. So the um, uh, so the, the, so that's, the, that's, it all depends on where you sit, you know, with that, in that environment. Um, the, uh, for the Dolby theater, I tend to sit a lot further forward, um, you know, for it. And so there's, and the reason I do that is because there's a row in San Francisco that doesn't have anybody in front of it. It's like one of those cross, um, things. And so if you sit right there, there's literally nothing in front of you and you just kind of have, um, um, there. So it depends on what that is. The funny thing is I don't go to Dolby very often anymore because they have these funky blue lights that go down the side of the rows and I can't stop looking at them. And so 
I've literally thought about just walking up and quietly putting gaff tape on the rows that I can see. <laughs> like, like just, just so that I don't have to look at them. They're so distracting for me, especially when it gets dark. I can see the, I can see the reflection on the screen. I can see them on the side. I, you know, I, I just, and I don't understand why they, they made them so bright. <laughs> you know, so that, you know, they're not necessary to be that way. I, I think it's some kind of branding thing, but I literally don't like the Dolby theater is a better theater and I won't go anymore because the lights drive me crazy. Now that I've told you, you won't be able to stop seeing them. There's blue lights that go up, up the sides and it drives me crazy. Go ahead, uh, Grant. Yeah, there's a there's a trend here in a, in Australia where we uh, they're putting recliners in. Um, and so they're taking out all the seats and they're putting in larger recliners, which are awesome. Amazing. But they have these, yeah, but they have these LEDs in uh, that shines uh, on the, uh, the, the seat number. And it's yeah. all I can see. Uh, yeah. And then the, the fire exit signs um, have these green, they screen wash that you just see over the screen. Uh, it, yeah. it, it drives me crazy. But I'll tell you what, the, the other thing that they've done in some of these other theatres is they're selling the, the front row seats, have converted them into like love seats, like a, uh, like a, yeah. a, a almost a sofa couch lie down thing. Right. And they sell it for a premium. And it's the worst possible place to see the movie, right? You're you right do down that? in the front. But that's incredible marketing because they, they yeah. sell them out every time. Um, but the, 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 um, uh, the other thing I was going to say is I've heard before about the, the width of the screen. You want to sit kind of the width of the screen back. Um, and that's, uh, that tends to be what I try to do. However, the, the width of the screen, I sit that same distance back. No matter how big or small that cinema is, that seems to be a good a good thing, but IMAX is a bit tricky to do that. Yeah, I and and I what I do is I um I count the speakers for a stand a non IMAX theater. I count the speakers, and so it's the middle. You know, so if it's five speakers, it's the third speaker. If it's you know, it's you want to be right, but those those speakers are designed for that center, the center of that of the of the row of speakers that are going up the side. And so the only place I don't do that is an IMAX because you want to be just a little further back than normal. Um, go ahead, Mitchell. Why, oh, why are they serving meals in movie theaters now? It's bad enough that you've got to hear people chomping on uh, steaks and gosh, yeah. no, what, what else. But also you have to smell it while you're trying to yeah. watch a movie. It's very annoying. I think that, that when, you add a lot of, uh, when you add a lot of things that people can eat during the, during the movie, you're kind of creating a movie experience that's not for people who really care you know, about that. They just want to, they, they're having a night out. They're not, they don't care about the movie. Um, and so I think that that's the, you know, I think that there's the arc light was probably closer to, um, back in the day, uh, it was probably closer to the aficionado. I mean, I got to watch movies at, at places where you're not allowed to bring anything in. <laughs> you know, like, so these are, you know, like if you're going to go see a movie at, you know, at the, uh, no, at the stag, you, you 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 can't bring anything in, and if you leave during the middle of the movie, you can't come back. <laughs> you know, so, well, so you you that's you, why you they have drive-ins. They have drive-ins for that, yeah, yeah, or go to the Arby's afterwards. I, but know? I think that that I think there's when, now that the big thing is is that now that the movie theaters are about to change. You know, they you know our movie industry is about to change dramatically. The number we are there's we're way oversubscribed with screens, so all these theaters have way more screens than they need because they needed they had all these movies coming out. And they needed to figure out where to put them all. And so they had these huge multiplexes that, that are there. And that's not useful anymore because um, there's, you know, basically unless you're doing something that is high visual effects or high visuals in general, there's no market for it. It's all going to go to streaming. And so they have all these extra films that, that all these extra screens 
I think that they're going to build, they're going to take some of these and make them really nice and make them just for aficionados. Um, so there's one, it'll cost 50% more. It, there'll be no bad seats. They'll just have open space where the spe- seats used to be. And it'll just be for people who really care you know, about it. It'll be a great 4K projection. It'll be great audio. It'll be similar to a kind of a mixture between IMAX and, and Dolby of having a big screen, having really immersive audio, having no bad seats, and you're paying more for it. And and because they, they can do that with one screen. <laughs> like, you know, they can just take a screen out of a multiplex and say, this is this. And, and by the way, you can't have popcorn. You can't take drinks. If you leave, you can't come back in. And, you know, and, and they don't have to do that with every screen. That could just be one theater in a multiplex is doing this this one thing. And for people who care about the movie, they'll go to they'll go to that thing instead. And I bet you they'll find it's a lot more popular than they thought it would be. Um, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, and I think uh, I don't do it a lot, but I certainly do enjoy the time when I uh, will spend the extra money and, and go see a movie where um, they have at the theater that has the great food and drinks and, and, you know, of course, it's brought right to you. And, you know, keep in mind, they're competing with the home. Like Alex said, uh, I have done exactly, Alex, what you said for, for years now, which is unless it's something so insane special effects and everything else that i can't experience that at home because i have a pretty good system at home home theater that's my only reason for dealing with a theater and then i have to make that decision okay i can stay at home and watch it not as good but i have we can eat we can have our food and drinks uh, or go to the theater. So I think that's the audience they're going for that segment, especially if you're there with a, say a date, you know, it's, you can, it's more of like that living room feel that they're trying to recreate. So you're not choosing that. That's my take on it. I just don't know how big that market is because a lot of us keep on getting better, better systems at home. Next question. Next one comes from Douglas Carmichael. He says, Apple will be holding a live in-person employee AI summit event at the Steve Jobs Theater. Why do you think Apple is returning to live in-person events, even with the reduced addressable market of an in-person event? Go ahead, Grant. Uh, I, I am I'm split down the middle on enjoying the uh, announcements that they've done, the feature, the feature film type announcements that they've done of late. I've really enjoyed those. But I still do like there is something about the energy of a live stage um, announcement and and the way that that flows. And I think they want that same thing. That's a beautiful theatre that they've custom built. They don't want to just not use that anymore. Um, and so for an event like this, I think it, it totally works and it'll be a really interesting conversation that, uh, that it sparks. Go ahead, Jesse. I think back to that video they released a couple of months ago for the Apple Watch, the um, if you don't have an Apple Watch, the universe will kill you. Um, and I think what they're going for on this one is a, a more intimate, more human approach to their communication. I think they understand how important messaging is and how, how you know, how thin the high wire is for uh, talking about AI. And they just want people in a room talking about AI. Go ahead, Jeffrey. And in all reality, Steve Jobs kind of ruined it or didn't ruin it for it. It's basically, uh, he put this into the structure of Apple as you go to the, uh, you go to the event and you experience the event and then you experience the products from the event. It's like if you went to Disneyland and didn't go on Magic Mountain or, uh, you know, 
putting any type of uh, of, of of item there. Uh, it's that's just going to be what it is. Is is until they find a new thing that people will can uh, converge against. Uh, they're going to try and do live events with it. Hey, go ahead, Bill. Yeah, Apple Park was, I think, Steve Jobs' last expression of his creative vision. And it really was. They took a lot of time and a lot of effort. It is a beautiful place, if you've ever been lucky enough to be there. Uh, the landscape architecture is beautiful. The building is singular. The experience, they, pay, they put a lot of love and thinking into that. And I think to not use it for these kinds of things, to have, you know, I think the pandemic hit right after it really opened and people were starting to go there a good little bit. Mm -hmm. And I hope that they they continue that because it's an interesting experience for people who are interested at the state of the art in these kind of areas. So as you remember, this is an, an employee employee event. It's it's not a it's not a public event. Um, it got out that it's a that it's a, because they're probably inviting people from the outside to talk to talk about it. Uh, the, my understanding is the primary use of SJT, uh, Steve Jobs Theater, primary use is all hands meetings. <laughs> like, like, you know, we get, to, you know, we see things when they do it, but they've got a huge theater that you can put a thousand people in. They, they, I, I, I'm guessing that they use it all the time. The fact that, you know, so for in, for in-person things, because one of the things you need to do is be able to bring an entire team in and talk about things that aren't going to be broadcasted anywhere. Um, you know, or, or only broadcasted to the company. And sometimes you don't want to even have that especially if you're in a company that's very top secret, um, you may not want any video going out anywhere to the other employees. So you take all your thinkers and you bring them all in one place so they can speak freely, you know, with the experts that are there and, and ask questions and so on and so forth. But you have enough of them that you need to put them into a theater. I don't think this is not, again, I don't think this is a, this is an employee only AI summit. So it's not necessarily something they're probably bringing in some great AI thinkers, maybe even from competitors and having them all just talk about AI and, um, and in front of the people that need to know, and they may be putting it out on their internal stream or whatever, but, but we shouldn't assume that. I mean, SJT, I mean, again, Steve Jobs theater is, I think primarily an all hands thing that, that is used occasionally for the press. Um, next question. John Prado in Las Vegas says, if anyone cares, I can give a report on Microsoft and Google's AI presentations. And I'll swap this around. I, I didn't. I didn't read it. I read it a little fast. Go ahead, John. Go ahead and give us, and then Grant will follow up. So Microsoft had their event yesterday, at, right after office hours, and it was very well done, very well produced, um, and th they basically announced the integration of of the uh, OpenAI product into Bing and into Edge, and so you have to use Edge uh, integration. And and it's interesting what they're what they showed. They showed what I call a hybrid search experience or you or user interface so half the page is traditional links on search and the other half is is basically chat gpt integrated in but it helps you drill down on your search it's pretty clever uh it just looks a little disjointed but they didn't say anything about in integration into into ms office uh, it was all focused on bing and and um and edge integration and then they're going to try to support other browsers in the future uh, but very, very well done uh, job by Microsoft. Google's, on the other hand, was today at 5.30 Pacific time from Paris, which is kind of, you know, unusual. And it was only like 35 minutes long and it was produced poorly and it was unrehearsed. And people kept people kept uh, fumbling over their words. They were going to do a live demonstration and the girl couldn't. Somebody stole the phone off the podium. She went to go to get the phone. The phone was gone. 
they had a the the live bug over the top of the slides. It and and they had about one paragraph on the integration of Bard, which is their Chat GPT competitor, based on Lambda, a a, a slimmed down version of Lambda, um, and then everything else was all existing products now with AI. So I was disappointed in in Google's presentation this morning. It just ended at six, about ten after six this morning. So good, good job, Microsoft. Poor job, Google. Yeah, when you do something that's important, it's really hard to do it outside of your normal space. Um, and I will say that I've done quite a few shows around the world and quite a few shows in Paris. And um, Paris is a hard place to do production. So it's just you know, um, it's just super difficult <laughs> to do it well there. I don't, I don't know why, but we've always it's been a. If it's done well, it was it was a lot of work. You know, and a lot of them have been not as good as we wanted them to be, all the way up to heads of state. So it's, I don't know why it is. Just it's just hard. It's hard to build the team there. There are great teams there, but it took a long time for us to find them. Uh, next question. Tobias Moss in Minneapolis has our next one. He says, "Personal, not professional. All my photos and videos live uh, since 2010, and he notes it's uh, greater than one terabyte of data. Live on Google Photos at original quality. What are the easiest options to create a backup and continue backing up? Let's say annually." Go ahead, Grant. Yeah, so I have used a service before called uh, Malt Cloud. Um, and this one does a does syncing of multiple drives. Um, let me just uh, yeah, they've got a they've got a deal here. Um, I'll just show you quickly here. They they have this um, uh, ability to sync multiple um, cloud drives, and it and it just handles it all itself, and away it goes. And so you could have um, Google Drive be syncing with whatever else you might already have, like OneDrive, or you might have a Dropbox, or you, you can do a whole bunch of things. And they have a seeming like a bit of a lifetime deal um, going at the moment. So that could be an option for you where you just, you, you do have to pay for it once, but once you do, then um, it's syncing across um, multiple cloud drives and, and it's just done. You, you can set it and forget it. Go ahead, Jeff. Google has uh, Google Takeout, and if you haven't played with it, I recommend everyone check it out. If you use any Google services, uh, you can go to takeout.google.com, and one of the services you can back up with that is Photos. And you can do that separately, and you can actually schedule. Uh, they have a feature, I think they let you do it up to uh, twice a year, where you schedule it, you don't even have to go back, and they will let you know, hey, your your backup is ready. Um, and of course, you can go back in manually and and do it more frequently. But you know, they've for a long time made made kind of an active pledge to make their data more portable than others. Let's say, and and this is a great project that they have internally, and I, I recommend doing it with all your services at least annually. Let's go to the next question. Alan Cavito in Midlothian, Virginia, says Tim Cook and other Apple event presenters use a lav mic unlike any other I have seen or used. It's a large mic with a windscreen that sticks out about an inch away from the clip-on to the shirt, and it sticks up at a 90-degree angle. What model is it? Uh, I don't know which one Apple's using. The one, and maybe Mickey will throw something in there, but the one that's typically used for that kind of stage is a Shure WL-185. 
um, or 184. That one's a cardioid, one's a supercardioid. The, I believe it's the, I can't remember which one is which, but the hypercardioid that is really hard to use because if it slips to the side, it, it becomes almost impossible to hear anything. Um, and so both of them are a little bit, you have to be very, very careful about putting them on because they'll, the off-axis rejection is intense. But it's the sure one WL-185 or 184s are the two that we see the most often. Um, there's also uh, some great DPAs, but they're not as big. The, the Sure has a really large uh, pickup um, that, that, you, that you typically see. It looks like a pillbox that's sticking out. So if you see that, I haven't seen any other ones that look like that. And we've used them for a lot of shows, obviously. Um, and uh, I own a, own a bunch of them. <laughs> so, uh, um, and then, but the other ones that we've moved to are the, or that we used are the DPAs. DPA has something similar, but they're a little longer. They're longer and thinner than the, than the Sure's. We've actually, we had one uh, presenter that wears a t-shirt a lot and we actually would put a hole through their shirt <laughs> so, so, so that they, it could sit. It didn't have to hang over so that it, we would literally pull it down and, and run it through it. We, the, the, there were shirts with holes in them so that we could put the mic right where it belonged um, but not give up the t-shirt. Um, anyway, so, so that's the, um, but those are, and, but we use the DPAs for those. Um, next question. Joaquin Mattis in Imperial Valley, California. Next, if money was not a factor, what all could one get for a dedicated room to immerse themselves in the best possible Dolby Atmos music listening experience? I go ahead, Nigel. I like any question that starts with if money was no object, because yeah, exactly. that's always a fabulous place to start. It's so, so great. Uh, so, and by the way, I think about this in terms of imagine yourself building a home theater. Now, you might not put the same amount of subs in, for instance, you want a home theatre, but you, but think about it as a home theatre. So it's a room with treated walls, with good chairs. It, it's a home theatre setup. Now, how much can you spend on a home theatre? Easy to spend a million dollars on a home theatre. That may be not the price range you were thinking of. I think if you were being, uh, you know, slightly less aggressive, probably $140,000 would get you a really incredible, I, there's some really incredible $140,000 uh, speakers, AVRs, uh, systems like that. Could you get down into, you know, $5,000? Yeah, I mean, you can do it whatever price point you want. But think about it as building a home theater, maybe taking some of the subs out. But by that point, you should probably buy yourself the 8K projector and make it a home theater as well. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, you know, some of the ones that are in the kind of the more reasonable, but still pretty expensive, uh, range are Genelex, you know, um, as far as what we've seen in a lot of a lot of mixing studios. Um, and so those, those aren't as crazy, but, um, but they do produce a pretty great sound. So in mixing, in Atmos mixing stages, um, we see Genelex, I've actually seen a relatively good one built with KRKs, which are a lot less expensive than the Genelex, um, but still very, very, um, have a lot of oomph to them. Um, so the KRKs and the, and the Genelex are what we see in, in, in actual Atmos stick, uh, mixing spaces. Uh, there's another one that I'll try to find. I'm, I was in a Atmos, a pretty core act, Atmos room, uh, and I'm, I'll try to find the speaker name, but I can't remember what it was. It was something I hadn't, I, I didn't recognize because I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't, uh, in that, in that realm. Anyway, next question. Matteo Mazzuri in Annecy, France says, I have three events, A, B, and C. Subsets of participants will be present in up to all three. A and B will merge, but not participants. A is a subset of A and B will be present at event C. What would be the simplest way for Zoom registrations? And he'd like one link possibly. Go ahead, Grant. 
It's like if you're wanting a simple solution to a highly complex structure of, of events, it seems. Um, uh, not trying to push a service that, that Blue and I built, but because of office hours, um, Blue Melnick and I met and, and we built a, a system to manage things like what you're talking about because it didn't exist for us. Um, and so um, there are, are ways to sort of build an event dashboard that then can get you into Zoom and multiple different Zoom um, uh, uh, Zoom rooms or areas. And then you can also do, um, based on who the person is, the attendee, you can have registration data that will show them different things on, on a registration, like on a dashboard, that then gives them access to certain things. So it can be the same link and it can be um, lasting for beyond that Zoom meeting. And so um, I'm happy to show you that if you're interested, but it's um, there are some systems out there to be able to manage um, multiple events, one link, um, highly customised to the individual attendees. So hopefully that's uh, encouraging for you. What Grant talks about is the way to do this. <laughs> I'm just to say, like, he's, he's being nice about it, but that's the only way to do this right now. Uh, next question. Roscoe Jones in Madison, Indiana is up next. He says, what are your tutorial recommendations for learning a Yamaha CL3 mixing board? I found a few by Brian Maddox. Thanks for any tips. Brian Maddox used to be my my main, my actual staff audio engineer. Um, he probably has produced 80% of the shows that I've done in the last decade. Uh, he's the one. <laughs> if he's doing tutorials on the CL3, uh, you know, uh, definitely take him. I know he's been starting to do some education, um, and uh, there's not there's there's no one like Brian, like to 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 do to talk about this kind of mixing and and this kind of thing. It's just it's it, he's amazing. So I would I would highly recommend taking his training. Next question. Uh, Brett Bilo in Appleton, Wisconsin says, Loud Lab, the devs of the SoundDesk app that, uh, that Alex is testing out, make some other audio metering and editing apps in a decently priced bundle. Would you recommend them over investing in the Waves or Isotope plug-in ecosystems? And he's got a link there to Loud Lab. Well, I think that I, 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 I invested in them because that they have, they're on a Mac. <laughs> so, so if you're on a, you know, that they are a Mac app. Uh, Waves is a, I believe, a PC platform. So you have to decide which way you're going to go um, to to make that actually work. So that's that's why I'm using them, and they work really well. And I'm using Atomic Atom, which is, uh, is that right? Atomic Atomic Atom. Um, anyway, uh, or Sound Atom or something like that. But it's it's their it's their um, their scopes. So I use their scopes, and I use I'm testing Sound Lab. Um, and I'm not uh, I'm not using Fluctus, which is their uh, their other app that's for editing. Uh, I'm not using it heavily yet, but I am playing with it. And so they're so far they've they've turned out to be really good. Next question. Zach Phillips in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm trying to find a good way to pass strings of text into companion like URLs or Zoom meeting ideas, other than the janky UR automation keyboard maestro power automate desktop methods. How can this be done? And he's looking for Zapier or simpler. Now go ahead, Jeffrey. Uh, I would highly suggest staying away from Zapier for the stuff like that, it's mostly because of the fact that you're going out to the internet to come back in. I tried to do a couple couple things with IFTTT and Zapier, and then I found out the latency. Uh, can It could be instantaneous, or it could take minutes uh, to go in. And if you need to pass that information right now, 
then it doesn't really work that well. Uh, you could do py you can Python script in, into a companion. There is a code area in companion as well. And I was trying to find something. I, I know it's on GitHub somewhere, uh, but there is a way to uh, to just have like a little line where you can put in your information, hit the button, and it can send it to wherever you need to go. Um, once I find that, I'll put it in Makana. Next question. Jacob, good night in Indianapolis, Indiana. At Alex, what are your thoughts on using the Sony FR7 so far? The sharpness and color look great. Yeah, and this is just out of the box. Like Sony sent this to me to to, to review or to look at. Um, I'm looking at using a, use it for a bunch of events. And um, I haven't, so I, they sent me the controller, which is here. Um, this is the controller that that they that they came with the camera. I haven't got it plugged in yet, obviously. Is that wireless? It is not wireless. <laughs> I've been just using this. So this is the iPad that controls it. Um, and I'm able to, you know, if, if I, you know, grab onto this, I can start to, you know, you'll see me. Let's see if I can, you can see it moving up and down here. So I'm able, it, it's pretty, I mean, as far as like fine, you know, panning and, and tilting, it's it's much better than most PTZs and doing it with an iPad on a web page is kind of cool. Um, so so I, I've been, I'm really happy with the camera. It took me a second to figure out how to balance it, but once I did that, it, it works great. Um, and uh, I can't afford it, like for my house. Uh, we're gonna use it for events. I mean, I'm already sold uh, after a day of using it, but um, but we're gonna use it for some of our events, but I, I really want one for my my house. Because here's what it does is I, I love the Blackmagic one and I'm, I'll probably go back to that. Um, it's the, there's no stress if I move back like this and then I move forward is all in focus like it's all it's just, it just does what it, it's it's pretty seamless and the ability to just do f like fine reframes and, and everything else uh, when you have that interface it it changes you know you just, just you're just constantly tweaking it in a way that you don't do with a, a still a, you know the camera that i've been using and i'm still happy very happy with the 6k i think it's i think it's plenty as a webcam but um but this is another definitely another step up go ahead mitchell yeah, once you have that autofocus, uh, you'll never be the same, Alex. Um, also, if you like the FX6, you're basically looking at the same sensor and it is, uh, it's image. Not, it's not even basically. It is the same sensor. No. Next, next question. Uh, Brett Below in Appleton, Wisconsin is back with this one. What's the panel's opinion on favorite brands or models of smaller sub-1,000 U.S. dollar digital mixers for podcasting? He notes Rode, Zoom Audio, Tascam, Behringer, and so forth all seem to share similar features for the cost. And he's looking forward to your, pun alert, mixed reviews. Pretty quick here. Um, go ahead, uh, Grant. Okay, so my recommendation is totally in the Behringer um, range, and so you could start off with the XR18, and the software on that is the same when you go up to the um, X32. It's all exactly the same, and this gives you full multi-track recording, 18 in and out. Um, it's a it's a steal at that price. Go, ahead, Jesse. Uh, the Mix Pre 3 actually falls in under a thousand, so chuck that one into the list of possibilities. Um, the other ones, uh, very comparable. If you're going to go with Zoom, do not go below the H6. The H4s are not production ready. Good, Nigel. Same on the Behringer. Look in eBay, look in secondhand sources. You can get some pretty good deals secondhand if you're careful. Guy? Yeah, I'll go with Jesse's answer as well. The Mix Pre 3 with uh, Noise Assist. This gentleman, Lex Friedman, he has a great podcast. If you watch this episode, I'll put a link in the chat. He has a Mix Pre 3 right on his desk, and you can hear this interview and hear the quality, but you hear a lot of us talking on it. So uh, there's the recommendation, Mix Pre 3 with Noise Assist. 
Yeah, absolutely. Next question. Douglas Carmichael's up next. In an article about the NFL's Los Angeles studios, the writer mentioned that they have 18,000 Dante and 16,000 Maddie connections. Why could there be so many? And how do you ensure you connect the right input to the right output? So many uh, diagrams. <laughs> diagrams and huge lists, huge Excel files that that have, or, or Google Doc files or whatever they have there. But it's massive, massive lists that are built over many, many months um, to figure out what they're doing. And there's just an enormous amount of communication that's going back and forth. And, and you know, it just it's so many mics and so many, um, you know, cross points and so on and so forth. Uh, it's, it's quite amazing. Uh, next question. Andy Kokendorfer in Vieira, Florida. I put in a Zoom feature request yesterday for a poor mic quality alert based on active speaker and the processing required by the Zoom caption automated speech recognition. And uh, too long didn't read. More processing equals poor mic quality. Thoughts on if this will work? Uh, I don't know how it would define that. I think it would be, you'd really have to, if you make that kind of request, you have to tell them how you want them to mathematically define what that's doing um, to, to, or that's going to be very hard for them to figure out what, what is poor, what, what do you define as poor mic quality? So, you know, in, in, when making feature requests, the, the more precise you get about how to do it um, and what does that mean uh, would be, I mean, it, literally I would be saying, I don't see stuff at 6,000 hertz you know, or you know, something like that to uh, make a decision because otherwise that's nebulous enough that it probably won't get activated anytime soon. Next question. Tobias Moss in Minneapolis comes up next. Recommendations for an inexpensive large screen tablet to be used primarily for reading chords and or sheet music on stage. I'd prefer to stay in the Android or Windows ecosystem, but know that four score on iPads is how many people go about this. Go ahead, Jeffrey. So I use a program called Songbook Pro. You can bring PDFs in that will uh, that will go from there. That doesn't answer the question, I know. But uh, what you need uh, for a large screen Android, you're going to be paying around at least eight hundred dollars. I think Lenovo's uh, large screen is is that price. I would I would just take a laptop and get one of these portable uh, portable monitors, and then use that, and then cord it up. You can get like the Vivo. Uh, uh, VESA mount adapter and then attach it to a to a stand and then you have a big monitor coming from a smaller device uh, to read whatever you need. Yeah, um, there's a one thing that's super useful in this area. Um, Film Tools makes a, a visa mount that has a baby pin on the back and now you can just attach it to anything and we use it to put monitors up all the time. You can see stands, other stands. It just now now you're in a standard grip world. Um, next question. Next one comes from Jeff Cohen in Miami Beach. Zoom just introduced a new pro audio focus setting called Use Specific Audio Input Channels. In my experience, it works great until it reverts back to all input channels. Has anyone figured out a way to get this setting to stick? Uh, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, so uh, I believe it is uh, just released on the most current version of the Zoom desktop client. And this is great. A lot of us have wished we could do this like other more robust audio software or a DAW. And for those of us using an audio interface that has multiple input channels, we don't necessarily always want them going out over Zoom. And Zoom would just, in the sake of um, user experience and, and preventing problems, they just grab every channel. 
if your interface had a channel, it grabbed it whether you wanted it to or not. And now it finally lets us at least decide we don't want to uh, get all of them. And it, it, we talked about mix minus on a previous show. This basically lets you do a mix minus even if your gear or whole setup doesn't let you. And it works great. However, I've found, so let this at least serve as a warning for now, even changing rooms within a meeting, going from meeting and being taken into a breakout room, for instance, it reverts back to all channels. Um, so I've reported as a bug. Uh, I can only assume it's got to be a bug uh, unless someone else has figured out a way to make it stick. Yeah, the, uh, it's not a bug. It's just that it, I don't think it does it yet. <laughs> so I think that a lot of times you get things working and then you then you start to evolve them. But I, I don't think that, I think that uh, the, the, the danger would be that you wouldn't be able to, someone would come back in and not know what happened to it. So I think that that's probably, if they, I think that the decision is probably around if you're a professional, you'll just go in and reset those and not not do them again. And if you're and if you're not, then you know I think that that's 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 the thought process at the moment. I believe, um, but, uh, but it, could, it could evolve. And I'll just say, I mean, it's every for the most part every other setting except keeping original sound on sticks. So well, the, the 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 problem is the percentage of people who accidentally leave original sound on when it was when it was when you could let it stick. The people using it by accident was extremely high and and it was ruining people's events sure. and that's why that's why it turns off <laughs> next question tobias moss in minneapolis says i want to run paid facebook ads uh for those who like my artist facebook page but i know that some of those likes were fake or were from people who are no longer interested in my offerings is there any way to trim the fat of low value page likes or follows uh, go ahead jesse Absolutely, there's a way to do that, and that is to migrate platforms. I would suggest moving away from Facebook and inviting your fans to join you over on something more like Discord. It's important to remember that Facebook um, operates on on uh, slot slot machine mechanics. Um, like a slot machine doesn't benefit from paying out money. It benefits from uh, withholding attention for as long as possible before it rewards the user. Um, Facebook operates on the same thing as with withholding content from the people who want it as long as possible before rewarding them for engaging with the platform and giving them what they came for. Uh, move to a, move to a conversational platform like Discord when, which is built around, um, money in, uh, going to services through the platform, not, uh, not, uh, boosting your signal. It's repugnant to pay, make you pay to reach your own followers. Like, I'm just going to say that, <laughs> like, the more I think about it, if you have followers on Facebook and you put something out, you should be able to reach all of them without having to pay Facebook. It's repugnant for them to make you do that. Um, and so, so anyway, that's, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, anyway, uh, next question. Jeff Cohen, Miami Beach, back again with, has anyone tried Ultimate Ears Fits and or Logitech G Fits earbuds? How was the custom molding fit? How was the sound quality for music? And how well does it work with Siri when paired to an iPhone? Go ahead, Nigel. Well, I think Alex and I both uh, have the eFits. Uh, we uh, we played with them uh, in After Hours or online. Uh, they work pretty well. They're a nice fit. They're not a perfect fit. They're not like getting custom molded uh, things. They work pretty well. They sound pretty good. Um, the battery life is great. I've never tried using Siri on it. I don't talk to Siri much. Um, but I found this very good. And if I'm traveling, this is one of the things I use when I'm listening to music and planes. I use them every day. 
Um, I've had them. I got them. N- Nigel and I fit to them. Um, I, these are the UE fits. Uh, I love them. The mic is not as good as the as the open comms from Shocks because it has a boom. Um, they are not as good as the Apple AirPods either. So the microphone isn't as good. But when I want to listen to music and maybe answer a phone call, this is what I wear um, on a, every single day since I bought these. So I'm super happy with them, and I wear them a lot more than my Apple my Apple ones. They sound better. They fit better. Um, they're not. I find them actually more comfortable. I've had custom ear earplugs made. I find these more comfortable than the custom ear ones, which are typically a hard plastic. Next question. Chris Widener, Lafayette, Indiana. I'm digging for inspiration on a project. If you're trying to make something you've done a million times interesting, where is your favorite place to go for inspiration? The beach in Indiana is too cold even for me at this time of year. I, I have to admit, I, I look at what other people are doing. Like I, I'm always looking at, like if, if I like a movie for some reason, I don't know why, I uh, will watch it over and over and over again, trying to figure out what made that movie click for me and I look at those things and a lot of times I save frames out of them. I save a lot of frames of things just to to refer back to them um, to try to think about those things. Bill, real quick. Traveling used to do it for me. Uh, It was always inspiring to come back from a travel, but also uh, I used to go out when I was writing my articles every month to a particular coffee shop and just do that one project there. It became my place for that and that it was different from sitting in my normal environment. Next question. Dave Troutman in Edmonton, Canada, and he says, uh, Ed, yeah, Edmonton, would unused movie theaters be useful as venues for digital first event hosting? Jesse, real quick. Yes. <laughs> so this is, uh, you know, they, AMC has already announced that they're going to a partnership with Zoom that, you know, we don't know how long it'll take, but I think they're going to light up 150 theaters. Uh, it is an, inc- you know, the theaters are an incredible opportunity for, for digital first. Next question. Chris Widener, Lafayette, Indiana. I had one of the kids I'm working with hit me with a question that I'm sure wouldn't work, but I struggled to explain to him why not. Can you stick your head in a foam-filled Amazon box and get a better sound recording? No, because you won't absorb all of the sound. You'll you'll absorb the high end, typically, and you won't absorb much of the low end, and you'll end up with something that's really, really bassy. Um, and really just feels like it's underwater. So the answer is no. You, 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 you'll get no high end and, and lots of low end, and it will sound not good. All right, let's go. Let's go. We're now jumping subjects to uh, our second hour. A little late. Sorry about that. I figured we'd finish off those questions there. Um, so we do this uh, uh, every once in a while. Um, so we, we do um, the ruthless review of, of different things. So sometimes it's our camera. Sometimes it's our set. Sometimes it's our audio. Today we're going to be talking about audio. And, um, and so we are uh, going to be reviewing uh, uh, our audio and go, kind of go through each person, have them talk and talk about, you know, we're not going to fix it all here. We're just going to give our, uh, our panelists feedback on how they sound and, and whether they could do something um, better. Um, they'll talk a little bit about their audio chain so that they, you know, that we can kind of um, get a sense of that. And, um, and yeah, and so, th- so that's what we're going to do now. Um, and if you have questions about the mics, questions about the setup, questions about the feedback we're giving, uh, we'll stop relatively often. This is for the back end crew to answer the questions that are, that are there. I'm not going to try to go through all the mics and then go to the questions. We'll try to go to questions as they come in. So, so stay tuned for that. And I, it looks like according to our back end that I'm first. So this is, this is my mic. Um, I am using a Stellar X2. Um, this is going into a uh, Studio Technologies Model 205. That's my, that's the, to mute. So, um, so that's the, that's what's going there. 
It goes out of the Stellar X2 into a uh, Mix Pre 3 um, with noise assist. It's noise assist to set it um, currently about negative six. Um, and, uh, and then it goes out of noise assist and out of the Mix Pre via USB um, into, uh, into Zoom. Um, so I'm not sure if people have. Yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Actually, I would just love to hear, and I'm assuming you have original sound on. Yeah. Um, and actually, one question, I don't know if, if anyone even knows the difference, but in Zoom, in the settings for original sound, there's also the additional one, which I am not turned on, but it's the um, something uh, mus musician within original sound, or like make it better for music, something to that effect. I don't know if... But I I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear uh, your audio with uh, noise assist turned off uh, if you're able to do that easily. I, I just usually, to hear the difference. I usually. Oh, oh I know. I, I was like, why is this not available? There we go. Oh, I'm actually at negative eight. So let me let me turn this down. So this is at this is at negative eight. So that is with the original. Line. This is what my this is what I would sound like if I didn't have noise assist. And I don't know if you can hear it, but I definitely can. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you can hear. So one of the things you'll hear here is that if I'm talking and I talk a little bit louder, you can hear a little bit of the room, the echo in the room, the, the floors. I can hear that. And I can hear the fans. So there's some, there's some fans in the background there. So, you'll, and so now I'll turn it back to negative eight. So you'll, um, you'll hear me go down. And I at least had to oh, okay, crank stop my talking. head. Wait, wait, hold on. Hold on one second. Let me just, let me just, so people can hear it. So here it goes. This is this is at zero, and that's at negative eight, and so and that is why I have a mix pre. Like I, you know, I can't. It's why I don't use anything else. It's why something's going to have to. No matter what I have in front of it, it has to go through a mix pre. Is because it's soft. You don't hear, you don't hear it attacking my voice. Now, if I go much more than negative eight, it's going to start attacking my voice. So if I turn it, I can turn it up more. Now I'm. It still sounds pretty good. This is at negative. Uh, this is at negative sixteen. And so it's completely silent, um, but I can hear it cutting into my voice just a little bit, you know, um, just just ever so slightly. So I, I give it a little bit more air, and it's still very very quiet. Um, but it, but you can hear a little bit more resonance in my voice by leaving it negative eight as opposed to negative sixteen. Um, and so that's what I found that I I like the most. And again, I've got little fans and things around here to to manage. Um, and so so it's uh, but that's that's what that has there. And I'll just say, for for me at least, I had to crank my headphones to a level where I would not keep them even to hear your noise. So uh, you're starting with a great room. Well, and, and you know, to put it in perspective, we'll talk about this more on Friday. I think we're looking at behind the scenes. But to give you a kind of a preview, I mean, this is what I'm in, right? So, so when you think about me, I look like I'm just sitting in my office, but but I have, I you know, everybody wanted a blanket for it, and I have one. So, so anyway, uh, uh, so that's how I keep the, the room is unusable as far as how much reflection there is. It's a hard surface with cathedral ceilings. It's not, it's not, a, it's not the primary place you do this. So I had to build another room inside the room to make it actually usable at all. Uh, go ahead, Mitchell. I think everybody has a microphone that sounds great with them. And, you know, you've had your Neumann and some other things involved there and, that mic, that Stellar, really does you justice. I think it sounds better than the Neumann did. Yeah, I know. I, we definitely got feedback that it sounded better $200 instead of whatever, $700, which is what the Neumann, I had a 102. Um, and uh, and so it was, um, uh, definitely got positive feedback on that. So that's what we use. Or that's what I'm using uh, for that. So, uh, yeah.
All right, let's go to the next uh, person, Alexander Knight. Yeah, hello. So this is uh, AKG C414ULS. I've been changing my microphone a lot lately, so this is what I sound. I'm going into a Tascam MixCast 4, and as far as my processing chain is concerned, I have very, very light compression, just barely tickling the compressor to kind of keep the levels in check. I can turn it off just so you can see, but you shouldn't really hear any kind of difference in the way I sound, so I'm going to turn it off. So now the compressor is completely disabled here. I've tried to level match the uh, output of the compressor, so I'll turn it back on. And that, now the compressor is back on. So you shouldn't really be hearing, at least I'm not with my in-ears, I'm not really hearing much of a difference with the compressor on. It's just to just keep the levels overall in check. I'm not using any EQ. The microphone is completely flat. There's no high-pass filter at all. And I'm running it in the cardioid pickup pattern here. Uh, I do have what Tascam calls this noise suppression, but I believe that's misleading. I think it's just a downward expander here. So I've got about 16 dB of attenuation. I'll turn it off. I've got a really well-treated acoustic space, but you should probably still hear noise from the busy highway next to me, even with my, my double-paned windows. Let me just turn it off one second. Probably fans from the computer. So I've turned it off. I'll stop talking for a sec. Yeah, we definitely hear it. It's just it's your fans, but yeah. So yeah, I've got man, I've got two Mac Pros here, so that's yeah. not surprising at all. The only other thing I have, so this mixer has AGC, but I've tested it and it doesn't do any. It doesn't seem to do anything with the actual that's, sound. That's other than, auto gain control. Yeah, so what it does, according to the manual, is it just balance, it keeps the output uh, fixed and then balances the, there's, there's four different mic channels, so it keeps all the levels of the, the inputs relatively well balanced, but it doesn't actually add, it's like not doing any actual compression, it's just managing the volume a little bit, but it doesn't seem to affect the, the audio at all. It actually makes no difference with just a single open microphone, but you do, you do hear what it's doing when you have, you know, four people talking at the same time. And when one person talks to the other people get pushed down a little bit, like in that AJC that it does. Yeah, like of... very, very slightly. And I actually went with podcasts. I actually use ducking slightly. I, I always duck the other people under the host. But uh, yeah, you do hear that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of us use what we call what we call Duganauto mix for that. You know, yeah, to, to push yeah, yeah, all those exactly. speakers down. Sometimes when they say, "Oh, it pushes," it, it, it evens things out. What they mean is that they don't want to say the word Dugan because they'll get sued. But they, you know, it's out of it's it's out of its uh, patent, so they can do things that right. like, auto mix is something they can do. Um, yeah, go ahead, Mitchell. Alexander, I commend your use of the compressor and the way you're using it because the best compressors are the ones you don't hear working. So if you're incorporating a little bit of, uh, like you say, tickling of uh, gain reduction, I think you're doing a good job with it. Yeah, the I would say that um, there is a, a little bit of presence somewhere in the high area that is missing for me um, that I can hear when you turn on. I can hear the fans, but I can also hear a resonance in your voice that when you depress the fans down, you're cutting that part is disappearing too so it's just a little um it's just a little soft there where it's not it doesn't have that a little bit of presence that we would normal that, that i can hear in your voice when you turn that off that's the only thing i would say is that i can i can hear the processing of of, of just a it's it's 
it's a super clean mic and it sounds good and it's totally acceptable. Uh, and there's that next level is that there's that resonance that we're not getting anymore. Um, yeah, go ahead, Grant. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. It sounds awesome. It really does. I, I, I would just, um, there's a little, it's a little bottom heavy, just slightly bottom heavy, which is, which means that, that that's where it's feeling a little darker. And so you could bring a, a low cut in that might just, just tidy that up a little bit. And then, and then the top might become a little bit more present, but I mean, yeah, it sounds great. Let's go uh, to John Pretto. Uh, this is John Pretto, ILPR40 that sits right in front of my desk. It's uh, about six inches from my mouth, but out of frame, just worked out that way. Into Claret 2 Pre with the original sound off. If I turn it on, I drop down about 6 dB on original sound, which is amazing. But my room is quiet here. Um, but I'm you, all of the focus rights have preamps that don't have enough gain in them. So I have this cranked all the way up. The Scarlet is the same thing. I thought the Claret would be, have better preamps, but um, they still don't have enough gain to, to drive this mic. I'm a bad panelist. I didn't know we were doing ruthless reviews. Otherwise, I would have been over on my <laughs> mix pre ten. <laughs> um, the uh, so I haven't um, John. I don't think I've talked in person. <laughs> I know John through. Have we talked in person, John? I think we may may have. I don't think we've ever been in the same room at the same time. So I, I, I have a hard time knowing what your what your voice sounds like. I feel like we're losing a little of the bass in your in your. I, I have I have a sense that there is the other direction where because that hile is a little further away than what it's designed it, what happens if you get like within three inches of that hile like if you just this is three inches right here so i it's on my table right in front of my face it's and sitting then, and then back right up. out of frame yeah and then talk again this is where i normally have it back here it's close. There's a little bit more presence when it's just a little closer to you because that mic is designed to be three three inches away, um, you know. And and so when you get further away, it starts to just it's just it's just not take getting all of your voice uh, in that mic. But it's it I mean it sounds great. Can I you mean, tell I'll, Fenwick to stop texting me during my mic check? <laughs> so uh, so anyway, so I think that it it sounds great. I mean, we've now gotten to the point where these ruthless reviews are really like working on weird little edges because um you know when we started doing these ruthless reviews for the mics there was a big variation there was there was uh i think on on one side there was bills 102 and on the other side there was web you know like people's laptops and we've kind of gotten rid of most of that i mean most of the um uh one of the things the reason that this is important and i think about it a lot and why, why i want to keep doing these is that i will argue that now our show is getting to a point where it is I mean, it sounds better than most TV shows. You know, if you actually close your eyes and listen to a TV show using labs in a hard studio, it doesn't actually sound that good, you know? And so my goal is to constantly get to a point where we really sound like a top level radio show and look better than broadcast at the same time because uh, no one's ever done that before, you know? And um, and so that's, you know, we're, we're trying to kind of uh, go both of those in. So, so all of these mics are really good when you're listening to them. What we're trying to do is just make them absolutely seamless if we can. Go ahead, Jeff. And you're talking about people uh, in perhaps a TV studio, let alone when these networks bring in a guest oh, yeah, uh, who, who's remote. It's it's just abhorrent. <laughs> I don't have any way. I mean, it's just, it, I, 
I realize that I won't listen to news very long. As soon as someone comes on from Skype and they sound like they are in Skype, I just change the channel. Like I'm not, I, uh, but I'm in the same way now. Like I, I have become, and I think this, this part of it is, is that I'm on this show more often than most people are, except for John. Um, and, uh, I think I've gotten so used to great audio because when I'm not on the show, I listen to the show. I listen to it in our, in our test app. And, um, I have gotten so used to this that I have become, I admit, um, completely unwilling to listen to bad audio, <laughs> like just unwilling. So I get on, I'll, I'll turn on NPR and someone will come in on a phoner, something that NPR has done since day one. And I just go done. I'm, I'm not going to listen. I don't have to put up with this, <laughs> like, you know, like, and, and there's, you know, and, and, and I just immediately leave. And, and so I won't, I won't listen to bad audio anymore. And I should say some of those guests or remotes I'm talking about are employees, staff, broadcasters. Oh. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to touch that, but, but it is amazing what they're willing to do with their own people and the kind of mics that they send out to their triple A hosts at home is not okay. Um, next question. I'm sorry, Mitchell. There's no questions. <laughs> I, to Mitchell. Um, yeah, Mitch, uh, talking into an AKG 414 that goes into my 205 into an Aphex channel, which is turned off except for the uh, mic preamp, and then into my FX3 and then out into uh, ATEM, then out to Zoom. A little bit of background noise, uh, very low, but uh, it's taken care of by the, uh, the Aphex. Would love to have uh, me some uh, noise assist, but I'm saving my shekels for that. You would benefit a lot from a noise assist. Like there's there's, I, I would there's love a lot one. of fan. There's if a lot you of got a, can hear. If you got a spare, I'll take it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so the because when it when it uh, when you um, you definitely there's definitely a fan there, and when you if you leave the mic open, we definitely hear it. You know, I can hear it anyway. Um, in that process, go ahead, Jeff. And what is the two hundred five? Oh, two hundred five is the mic switch mute. Yeah. So um, Mitch and I have the the um, Studio Technologies makes a two hundred five that is a it's a Dante based. Um, mute switch. <laughs> so, so it, it has an advantage that number one is it has a light. I mean, I have to admit it's a light and it doesn't make as much sound. So I, when I, when I glance down, I can see if the light uh, is on or not and red or yellow so that I just know whether it's um, there. And then the other two, if I push talk back, so if I'm right now, it's not connected to unity for this, but I use it in other, in other things where I, if I want to talk into unity, as soon as I push the talk back to talk to Unity, it will it will mute what I'm saying automatically to the show. So it can manage the program. So Unity can get the audio if I choose to, can get the Dante audio from this box, and I can simply push it, push down and, and, and blank it out. So that's what I like about it when I'm on uh, some other stuff that I do. Um, being able to have being able to knock that mic out while I'm talking into comms and know that. You know, it's, it's, I don't have to switch something in software. I just push another button and it just, it automatically mutes the mic that I'm, that I'm on. Go ahead, Grunt. Yeah, I think I'd argue, Mitchell, that the, that, that fan noise is louder than you might think it is. And that, um, I, until you have another way of doing it, I would wonder whether, um, turning off original sound and doing low noise in Zoom would be, would be better. But those those fans are loud. Try Mitchell. Go ahead and, and talk to us with the just the way you have it right now. This is uh, just the way it is right now. And then turn off original sound. 
And this is with original sound turned off. So no, the problem is, is that there's too much processing. <laughs> like there's, say, talk a little bit more, Mitch. There is no processing. It's uh, no, no. no I'm saying, a, I'm saying, turn it off again. Turn off oh, the original. Turning sound. off now. Now it is turned off. See, the problem is I can hear the difference between I can hear the original sound kind of quantizing his voice in a way that yeah, I don't. And like. is that on? Is that on low? Is it set to low? Or is uh, it's it set, set on automatic? low. It's set on echo cancellation. Um, mm. Just don't like what it you does turn, to the voice. You can turn echo cancellation off. Um, I have it off. It's not necessary. Okay. Yeah. But you have, you have open speakers or, or Mitchell, or do you have uh, in ears? Yeah, you can turn off the echo cancellation. Um, yeah, so so I, I, I do think that it would be great to figure out, well, we'll have to find how to, how to, how to get Mitchell a... Uh, some noise assist. <laughs> what's What's interesting, Alex, uh, an observation, is that it seems like you must have some kind of noise assist if you're not working in a recording studio. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, that's just the bottom line. And my yeah. problem is that I'm not a big fan of the Mix Pre. I would much rather go to an eight series. So I'm kind of holding out for the uh, for the Mac the Mac I Daddy think, version. I think it'd be worth having the Mix Pre in the short term. You can sell it used on eBay. Uh, next question. Uh, or no, sorry, Jeff. Go ahead. Go before we can jump to the next person. And, and I'm curious, Mitch, do you have uh, within original audio, do you have high fidelity uh, music mode turned on? Yeah, I'm not. <clears throat> pardon me. I'm not using any um, stuff that Zoom does because I don't like what it does. No, in, in original, it, it's, in a, it's an even more original. Right, right. I have it set to stereo, high-quality music, and, uh, all and, those things. Right. So really more of a question, but, you know, it's a, always a signal-to-noise ratio thing. The fact that you've got some distance between your mic and therefore the gain is higher might simply being closer to the mic and a lower gain cure some of that problem. Oh, that's possible. The other thing I do is that I'm very quick with the mute switch. Uh, when I'm done talking, I just hit that mute switch real fast. Boom. It's not as fast as a gate would be, but I don't like the sound of a gate. Or noise assist. Yep, next question. I know. I, I, I agree. agree. Grant. Love Grant. it. This is, a, this is a problem. This is a problem when you start um, giving people feedback is that you just have to be prepared that you're going to get on the receiving end of it now and, and now get it all back. Uh, so I'm, I'm speaking into a, a Rode NT1A that I borrowed from a friend about 12 years ago. Um, and haven't given it back. Um, and it, it, uh, one, I, there's a couple of things that I did that have really helped. I mean, I built this room that's um, fully insulated, but I also moved all of my active, you know, fan gear um, outside. And and so that's that actually just makes for a nice environment for me to sit in, um, as much as as much as it cleans up the sound. It goes into an X32. And um, and so then this is original sound and it hasn't got any any other sort of processing. A little bit of a kick here and there in the EQ, a low cut, and uh, that's about it. Overall, it sounds really clean and it sounds, you know, it's it's probably missing a little high end as well. So there's that, mm. there's the resonance there that, that I... I have been in the same room as you. Some of the room has been in the same place. There's a resonance to your to your voice that that you know, kind of the the raspy part of it isn't there. Um, yeah, you know, so it's a little bassy if you if you listen to it, just a little bassy. Um, overall, very you know, very high quality and very uh, very good, but just a touch bassy um, is what it sounds like. Yeah, just brought that back a little bit. Um, sounds better. That 
bottom end a little yeah and then the the top is still has got a little bit of a, a kick in it um but just to, to make it a bit more present so but what i would say is that that sounds that improved it definitely yeah. i mean that Correct. just that little change yeah so um, well that, and the other thing is it's it's 3 a.m and so it's very quiet outside there's there's no um <laughs> There's, there's no the garbage advantage. trucks. Oh, the advantage <laughs> of doing things in the middle of the night. Uh, so, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is the worst time, right? This is when we have the biggest difference between our time yeah, zones. Yeah, two hours difference. The difference is because office hours starts at 1.30 a.m., goes to 3.30 a.m. That's right. very different to 11.30 to 1.30. <laughs> That's yeah. just a late night. This is an early morning. Like, this, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> go, go ahead, Mitchell. Everybody sounds better with just a tiny bit of three three K in there. It just it, it emphasizes presence, and I think Alex is right in that. And the only other thing I I hear if I listen very closely, it sounds like you have an Australian accent. <laughs> uh, next question. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on that. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, next is Harshit. Uh, ring in with the SC Electronics V7 microphone. That's going down into a pro commute switch, coming back up with another Mogami uh, plugged into a solid state Logic 2. Uh, gain, I'm not completely sure on a numeric value, but uh, I still have a bit that I could push forward. I have 4K engaged. Uh, original sound is turned on on Zoom, and uh, that's my audio chain. Overall, it sounds really good. Um, there's a little bit of self noise. So it's not it's not noise like fan noise. There's something in this. So there's a difference in the hiss. So the fan noise that we heard with Mitchell is different than what you have. So in your system somewhere, there's a little bit of self noise, you know, that's there, that's coming in just from the components um, that I can hear. Um, if I disengage 4K off, does that hiss sort of go away? Is that the hiss? No, it's, thinking it's about? just going through those components. The components okay. are just, they're just a little noisy. Okay. Um, so that's the, you know, that, that would be the only thing there. Yep, and, um, uh, I was about three inches away from, uh, my mouth and, uh, I'm using I Elgato. bet you it could, what happens if you lean into it just a little bit, just to hear what it sounds sure. like? Sure. I'll, I'll pull it forward I'll try forward to do it to instead. the side so we don't get plosives. Just, just, I'll pull move, it. move it like this and like to the side like this, but pretty close. Uh, like, like who? Like this? Like just hold turn it, it like so if the mic is like, like like where my hand is, just put it like this, like it's so it's going towards, but it's not in front of you. you never want okay. a mic. As right. much as we can avoid, we want we don't want the mic right in front of us. Understood. Ever. So um, from going to eight to eight, two o'clock to eight o'clock, kind of thing. So kind of like talking like across set, across. Uh, from uh, yeah, eight. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And then move it up. Just lift it up like this, just All so right, it's I'm closer. Gonna lift, I'm gonna lift it up just a little bit. Okay, I and lifted then, it up a little bit. Yeah. So am I kind of going in the right direction? We're keeping oh, yeah. it away oh, from yeah. me, um, getting it closer to me. I'm going to... I have it more to the side, more okay. to the side, but pointing towards to your mouth. Side. It's still a little more. too close to you. It's still too much in the front. Too Just much move in the front? Towards, okay. to, to, towards, towards your shoulder, me. one shoulder, yeah, towards your Got it. Moving right it towards shoulder. my shoulder. Move it, uh, other shoulder. Right, move it towards your other right shoulder. shoulder. There you go. Got it. And then, and then move it closer to your mouth, but closer keep to it my to that mouth. side. Coming, keeping it to that side, bringing it closer to my mouth. And I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to lock it in on the elbow. So is that, and then I'm going to maybe bring it right on the corner yep. so you get some clarity in my mouth. Is that a little bit better right there? What, it is. Do we rejection? It is. We probably still move it more to the side. It's still, you're, you're still having a tendency. Okay. But not, but you, the, the, the tricky part is you want to move it to the side, but then point it more towards your mouth. What okay. you want to keep is you want to keep the channel, your, 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 the channel of your breath away from your mic. 
Yeah, because you don't have you don't have a a pop filter on on the front of it, and so you want to keep that air channel completely clear so that you don't pop into the mic. That's the that's what you're trying to do, but you do want to get it closer. So typically, you pull okay. it up to the side a little bit. Okay, so let's see if I get it right around. This. But as you get it closer, the mic definitely sounds better. You still hear the the hiss. We're still hearing some hiss from the fan and, and a little right. bit of the fan. Um, but but we're but it definitely as it gets closer to your mouth, if we can kind of work that better. that process okay. out, it does it definitely gets better. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. It, uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Grant. Sorry. Sorry. I was yeah. I was just going to say I, uh, what we were starting to pick up then uh, was hearing your headphones. Um, I could hear Alex return, and it was more when it was pointing directly at the at the headphones. Um, and so that's the yeah that's the trick trying to get it so that it's not pointing at at your headphones, but shooting across the side um, right. of your mouth. But I, I was just going to ask um, Hashid, I, I, um, without getting too personal, I know that you're visually impaired. Correct. Um, and do you, um, uh, I don't know how, how you compare it, but do you have a sense of, of um, increased hearing um, or are you particularly sensitive with your hearing? Not technically, but it's one of those, you know, the red, don't take the red pill type of uh, problem. Mm -hmm, yeah. And yeah. every every time now that I do hear any sort of plosives, like I do listen in for my plosives, and this uh, Elgato uh, low-profile arm has been better at that compared to, let's say, the uh, Rode PSA-1 that I have, or I used to have, still have. And, you know, it's a little bit of technicality. So when I hear it in my headphones, I still have an earbud that's listening out for comms. So I'm basically just using one channel to, you know, listen to the program as such. Um, and where I find the heighten of experience is the quality of um, the the verbs or the, the words rather it has to be i think i like the louder sound so the sennheiser microphones give you that more brighter sound um whereas let's say sm58 gives you a darker sound and i feel that those microphones kind of make me sound more mumbly uh so i feel when i listen to these specific microphones i do want to buy something that matches my voice compared to uh, a microphone that might be a little bit darker and might not do as well with cutting my voice through so there's just one other aspect I think that would happen in person for you would be picking up on breath as well as as when people in do a slight inhale before they go to speak. Mm -hmm. um, that would inform you as to when someone is speaking. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And so how do you, you know, you don't have that in Zoom, but you may be more um, attuned to when people are unmuting um, and when you're when you start hearing some of that fan noise or you hear that someone has an open mic that type of thing right so there's a couple components of when we do come in here to do mic checks in the morning um, it's usually pin drop silent and sometimes we must you know turn on a fan or we'll hear a dog walking around with, with Mitch over there so it, it, it's a little in inflections that you do carry over but the other aspect is is to be present be present for someone else so you know we sometimes will say bonjourno in the morning and predator will chime in so we know that predator is here and then you know somebody else will, will chime in so sometimes it's also 
you know, like an echo reflection, you clap your hands, see if anybody claps back and you, you might find out somebody's there out there, you know, listening to you or watching you. And you could just start up a conversation by saying good morning or, you know, how's it going in your neck of the woods? So we could we could be more considerate of that um, with you, um, knowing that you, you really can't see the gallery view, right? Like as in you see some shapes and things, but nothing Correct. in detail. Yeah, Correct. Gotcha. But then if we're doing telestrating or something, we do hear uh, Alex pull out his pen out of his pouch. So there's a little, you know, uh, a little <laughs> elastic, elastic sound. And then, okay, so Alex is, is on to doing some work, you know, telestrating. So then I could right. then focus into, okay, we're talking about blocking, we're talking about this section. Then my eyes could focus on those sections. I see. Yep. Uh, just one last thing, and I, I think uh, when you hit the mic, um, I can hear that the it doesn't sound like there's a low cut in there at all. There seems to, you can really hear like a 50 hertz that's kicking in. Is there a low cut that you can enable somewhere, like a like a 100 hertz cut or something? That may just help a little, clean that up a little bit. But um, I could... Have a play. Come back to you and look at the yeah, SSL yeah. too. Yeah, um, We're not going to try to fix them all here, but we'll. Yep, but, but, we'll yeah, come back to that right. SSL too, but uh, I'll look at that. No, go ahead, um, Mitch. I've been with Harshid since he came on the panel, and uh, we've had many discussions about mics and things like that. And I know that Harshid wants the very best mic that uh, that will work for him. And I keep trying to convince him that the one he has works great, and it's uh, it makes you sound crisp and clean, and that SSL 4K. It's just the pièce de résistance. It's excellent. Yeah, the 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 ones that I'm looking at, if I were to get anything, would be RE20 with the variable D, and then either having noise assist or the Cedar with the Apollo setup, so that way you get rid of the background noise. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, the SEV7 I think is a good mic for you. It's a nice sounding microphone. I'm just curious, do you have a window directly in front of you? I do, and I have uh, blinds that are. Okay. Uh, closed. Yeah, because the SEV7 is a super cardioid microphone, so it's got a bit of a lo rear lobe at the back, 180 degrees off axis from the capsule. So that may introduce a little bit. You'll hear maybe a little bit more outside noise if you had a cardioid, but that's that's the only thing. But I think that microphone sounds good on you. Our next question. Uh, Nigel, sorry. Okay, so well, you recognize the Heil PR40, which I got secondhand. Uh, it's going into a cloud lifter, which was left over, and I haven't taken that out, which is going into a, uh, my brand new Rolls mic switch, which I'm still playing with to work out whether I like that, into my Mix Pre 3, which has noise assist set at 10, which is probably a bit high, but I live in a building where suddenly banging starts, and I can't always get to, get to it, so it, it probably cuts a bit more, with a low cut at about 80 into my Mac uh, original sound on. I have a number of uh, treatments. I have some behind me, which is uh, designed to look good. And then I have some wave panels around me to try and uh, minimize any reflections from the square box that I am in. Uh, go ahead, Nigel. Yeah, I, uh, I've always, uh, please take this the right way, Nigel. I, I always tell people to give it a little extra 3K to give it a little more punch and presence. In your case, I would say actually turn it down just a bit because I'm hearing um, mouth noises more than I normally would hear on uh, someone speaking. And I hear it a lot of times when you first start. So I don't know if you have any processing in there, but sometimes I'll hear a sound just as you're beginning to speak. And uh, again, that's a ruthless review. I think you sound great. 
I just think you could do with just a touch less presence. I don't. Are you doing an EQ? Um, no, none at all. It's it's raw and unfiltered. Yeah, um, and then I don't think you need the cloud lifter with the mix pre. So I don't. You know, you could probably get rid of that. Um, the, the, cl the cloud lifter does not really shouldn't add any quality. <laughs> Say that nicely. Um, so there, there there shouldn't be any. You shouldn't need that in the pipe. I don't think. Um, yeah, so I, I the mix pre should have plenty of preamp to to, um, to to pull that in. Although you are going through the, it should it still should pass through even through the um, through the rolls. You do have more sibilance than most most people on the panel, um, and I think that's what that Mitch is you know talking to. And I I don't know where that's coming from. Um, you know, we what's nice is that we hear a ton of the resonance that's natural in your voice. And it's just, as I said, the 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 S's are are more present than, and it just seems like it's it it's usually what happens when we're when we take that three or four K and move it up. That's what Mitch is talking to, and usually that's where we hear that sound. So I'm not sure if there's something in the pipe that's doing that. Um, but uh, yeah, go ahead, Grant. Yeah, I I think it's a great. It's obviously it's a great sounding mic, and and your um, room and everything is all great. Like it's all really nice and quiet, and obviously the noise assist is doing a, a great job there. I do feel like um, it it sounds like you're really close to the mic, and I know that I know that you're not, but that's what it feels like. Yeah, it yeah it feels like um, closer than than everyone else is like it's just and i don't know if maybe the cloud lifter the way it's doing some gain um yeah. it might be the cloud lifter that. itself that's doing that um I'm yeah take that out of the chain so i can i can take that out in a minute and see whether it makes yeah. a difference i also wanted that. to say that right. uh, when it comes to accents i have no accent mitch this is the way it is <laughs> we meant have to an spoken. accent yeah, exactly exactly i you i not just the one person who says that and i would believe that like yeah that's proper english yeah so uh, go alex yeah, I always find with the PR40, it's it's one of those microphones. Again, it's it's a very good sounding microphone, but you always have to select the correct microphone for your own voice. I think your voice sounds pretty good on that mic. If the I don't I don't use a mix pre, so I don't know if it has a parametric EQ, but you may want to try experimenting with the EQ. I always find on PR40s on a lot of voices somewhere between four and five K. I always have to pull out, you know, three dB around that area because it's just it's a it's a very presence heavy microphone. So that's just something you might want to try. And Nigel, if, yeah, if you have time, what I'd love to do is have you um, take out everything between the mic and the mix pre. Just plug it straight into there, and just so we can hear what that what that sounds like and be interesting. Um, so we'll go to the next now. person, but we'll come back to you. Yeah, Jeff. Okay, and uh, this really was coincidental, perfect timing, but of course I can't let anything sit just the way it was, so I'm doing something completely different with my audio chain today. <clears throat> this is a Sennheiser MKH416 shotgun mic going into an Audient uh, Evo 8 uh, interface into my Mac. However... That was nice and simple, but what that new feature in Zoom allowing me to select the input channels has allowed me to do is something that I've wanted to do for a while. Um, uh, first of all, I'm using the interface that I want to now because its software doesn't have that ability uh, to do that. So I'm able to exclude everything. I'm routing my audio from the interface into my DAW, which is Reaper, and I'm running a little bit of an FX chain in in there, uh, which is just doing uh, running isotopes uh, RX9 mouth declick, 
so uh, something that might help others. And the only other thing I'm doing is doing some DSing, which also might help others. And then from that, I'm, I'm going into Zoom. Are you able to turn those off just so we can hear what the difference is? Yep. And this is, uh, let me look to see if uh, my levels are changing any, but, but this is what it sounds like with those two things turned off. I would 100% leave them off. <laughs> so there's you yep. you're you basically have this little bit of a muffled tone that that's what when you ds when you take out the clicks it's you know it's a it's an basically an eq you know um punch to do that and i can hear it and i i have been i use those a little bit in some post-processing for podcasts but i learned to almost never use them and i'm using the the isotope ones specifically because I can hear that. So I only do it when it's like in intense surgery that is necessary. Um, and I would, I think you're, you're, we lose the resonance. You have a great resonance in your voice. And I feel like we lose it when you turn that processing on. Um, so, so I would, I would leave that off. Um, no, uh, yeah. and I'm curious if, if you guys hear the difference. So what I've done right now is I have turned off the D click and I've switched DSers. I was using one of the native, actually using a compressor, uh, banded to do some DSing. I've switched to, uh, fab filters, uh, pro DS, um, well, it doesn't sound like he's doing any DSing. Like I, I, can, I can hear the sibilance there, so it's not it's not doing anything. But it definitely sounds better. I I'd, I'd rather hear a little bit of sibilance than um, than have it feel muffled. You know, and and so that's that's my I, I, if I'm going to choose between the two, I would choose uh, choose sibilance. And of know, course, over. I did not turn it on. So this is actually what it sounds like when I turn it back on. So now I'm running Fab Filters DSer. Um, which well, it definitely I, gets rid I of the S's, but it, 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 again, I would rather hear the resonance than, than the, you know, I, I, I've gotten kind of addicted to resonance, you know, and hearing people's, you know, their natural vocal tones in, in the mic. And, uh, uh, I would, I would recommend just letting it go. You, you have, you don't really have that much. It's not like you're DSing something that's horrible as it is now. And, and and thank you. It's good to hear that someone mentioned about hear, hearing something. I, I had someone a few weeks back um, give me some feedback and say, you know, hey, you may want to pay attention to some of those yeah. uh, harsher S sounds. And now, of course, I can't unhear every yeah, and, single one of my sounds. And the challenge is, is that the shotgun mics will always shotgun mics and headset mics. So if you are using a four six, uh, you know, the four sixteen, the NT two, the the um the dpa 4066s the you know the the countrymen all are really prone to sibilance i mean that's just the nature of those mics any any cardioid hypercardioid something close to your mouth all those things are problematic in that area so that's you know that's the challenge is the mic that you have is it tends to be lean more towards that so that's why it's coming out but at the same time um i think that uh, I would rather hear the resonance and a little bit of sibilance than I would. I love I love the kind of natural feel to it that I think creates a warmth that that you muffle over when you when you cut it out. And I become super sensitive to it because I was cutting out all the S's. I was doing a lot of sibilance control for some for podcasts that I work on, and then started backing away from it as I listened to it more. You know, and it's just like and again, this is one of the reasons we do this in a second hour and not in after hours is so that our listeners, the folks that are doing it, are hearing us talk about this. This is a, and I will apologize to everyone, this is a red pill conversation, which is that, that once you hear us talk about these weird little details, 
a whole bunch of stuff that you would have never thought about. And now you'll hear it all the time, you know, as we work through it. Yeah, go ahead, Grant. Yeah, I, I think it sounds great. And uh, do you do do you do voiceover recording or something? Is it, it do you? Yeah. Um, and I and I think therein lies a difference between how you how you create the sound for voiceover versus conversation that we're doing here. And one of the things that I feel like is a difference is your mic placement is great for voiceover because you're getting a bit of your chest. And so you're getting the resonance in your chest, which which sounds which sounds great for voiceover, um, but it but it feels a little over for me feels a little overbearing for a conversation, um, and I yeah I wonder if the if the direction of the mic um, um, being um, more directed at your mouth rather than down to your chest um, for conversation right, um, and I, I think it could actually just um, just ease off on that on the bottom end a little bit and just give a little bit more brightness but uh, and, it's so good and this is what it is you know this roughly about maybe 12 inches away now same rough angle same same kind of target of where it's pointing to but about 12 inches away the concern especially if i keep the door open to my booth is is do i start picking up uh some of that reflection and of course i would have to raise the game and you sell that filter on right now uh, actually, just the deesser. So this is yeah, what turn. it sounds like with the deesser turned off. This is just uh, no processing on my end right now. An original sound, and of course I'm low, so I would I would turn it up a little bit because I'm I'm further away. So I uh, hope I don't blow anything out. But if I get it up a little bit more like this, <clears throat> this is probably a little bit closer to where the levels would be a little bit hot. But but this is compensating. So. Uh, I don't know if you're hearing more reflection or, or noise no. or background noise. There is a just a touch of background noise that I can hear some kind of air movement, you know, air mover somewhere that I can hear. Um, but it's 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 pretty minor. And again, this would be this is why a lot of us are addicted to noise assist is because we move the mics away. We we just kind of just go in there and blend that out, um, you know. And I did want to mention, you know, Mitchell, something to think about and, and why I'm kind of at least excited at the prospect of running through uh, the ability to have software processing is uh, Waves Clarity VX Pro. The Pro version of Waves Clarity VX, 250 bucks. it can work live in a live chain. And I mean, if you watch and listen to their uh, videos in terms of background noise removal and isolation is, is just out of this world AI. And they have a free trial. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Mitchell. Um, Jeff, I think that uh, a lot of this voiceover people are afflicted with messing with our voices just a little bit. I'm not saying you're doing it, but I think you could benefit from it is that we always like a processed sound. It's also a radio thing to have a processed voice that has, you know, a little extra super presence. Mm -hmm. And maybe we're pushing our low end because we like hearing our deep radio voices coming through a little bit. I think that what you're doing is that you're concentrating a little too much on the lower mid-range, around 200 cycles, uh, in order to pump it. But what you're doing is you're muddying up your voice a little bit to me. And when you turn your processing completely off, it eliminates that. So I would say uh, uh, go clean as opposed to go modified because you already have a good natural deep radio voice or voiceover guy. Um, I don't think you need any help there. 
I don't think you need any of that processing to get you there, and I don't think you need any uh, uh, EQ in order to get it there. It just sounds to me like there's a little bit uh, lower um, mid-range that's actually and, muddying where it needs to come back. Yeah, and, and I'm afraid we're going to have to keep moving because we're going we're gonna to run out of time before we get to everybody. So. Thank but, you. Uh, but yeah, look, we'll, we'll talk about this more, but it sounds great. And I think that, I, again, I would take some of that stuff down because <laughs> I think that you have a voice. Again, it's, uh, you don't need a lot of processing. <laughs> so, so that's the, uh, uh, yeah. I, yeah. Um, Thank you. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, next, uh, next is uh, Bill. Go, Bill. Hi, everybody. It's me. I've been talking all day and I'm continuing to talk now. Uh, I have changed my audio chain in this respect. Mickey was working with me on Sunday. I got my brand new C-Suite plug-in for the Universal Audio Apollo Solo, and it now has active noise reduction on there. And there's a lot of room that shouldn't be there. So even if I'm not talking, you shouldn't be able to hear much of anything. We still hear a little. Um, you know, it's still, it's, it's, uh, it is a, um, you know, I can still hear a little bit of something in the background, um, but it's, but it's pretty minor. Um, the, you have the same challenge with that we see with all of the shotgun mics, which is that it's just, a, you know, the sibilance is probably a little bit more pronounced, you know, with, uh, with any, any shotgun mic, um, that's there. Um, but I mean, obviously it sounds really good. I mean, so overall it sounds great, but that's always the, the biggest challenge with the shotgun mics is the sibilance. Um, can you talk a little bit more? Sure, I'll continue to go. Uh, Twas brillig in the slimy toes, did Garen Gimble in the wabe. All mimsy where the burrow grows and the mum shafts out, right? Beware the jabber walk. Good, uh, Garen. Uh, yeah, I was just going to ask, um, do, have you got stereo turned on? Um, I, I, I was, um, I, and if you do, to not have it on, you know, as in, uh, <laughs> um, because I, I don't know if I, it's on or not. I haven't looked at that in such a long time. We're in, we're in the yet. Zoom interface. So yeah, back in the original sound. Um, so it could have just been something on my end, but when you first started talking, um, it it phased from one one channel to the right. Did anyone else hear that? But I don't know if it was hmm. me. Okay. Zoom does that every once in a while. It, it, yeah, when two people are talking, occasionally we hear Zoom from left to right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, but also I just wanted to say, Bill, like when you f first came on from the booth, it was that same thing that we were talking about with Jeff. Is it had this huge, you know, yeah. voiceover guy, the big, voice. big radio voice thing. Yeah, yeah, and and I've really um, enjoyed your your um, your journey of uh, of sound, and um, it sounds so good. And I, and your question reading and stuff, it's all really great. And the and the you know we can't hear the. The mute coming in and off and stuff, all of that's really good. So yeah. great work. No, absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're, we're Thanks. Again, with, with everyone here, everyone watching, we're picking at the smallest things. I don't think that most radio stations or television stations or anybody else is listening this critically to anything that they're doing. <laughs> so good, Mitchell. Yeah, the reason Bill sounds like um, he has a big radio voice is because he has a big radio voice. <laughs> you sound perfect on it, Bill. Right. Thanks. I actually just got my M2 MacBook Air and just put it in the voice booth yesterday. I finally got enough build-up stuff. So I'm actually interested in going back into the voice booth, uh, hooking up the Neumann and seeing what it is in the booth with a MacBook Air with no fans and seeing what kind of profile I get out of that. It'll be an interesting thing. That's probably a week or two away. You have a little bit of a sync problem, sorry to say, uh, but yeah. uh, to your to your point... Um, if I went back to my U87 behind me, which has a Neve 8801, you guys would go, whoa, <laughs> like what's happened? <laughs> yeah. Uh, go, go, Jeff. 
And I would love to hear if you can turn off an AB that um, uh, what you said you're, you, you've added to your uh, oh, Apollo. Oh, the C-suite? And by the way, I, I did just hear some kind of stereo, like sound shift from channel. So it, I, I think Grant might be right. You might have some stereo on. Yeah, Mickey was chatting with me about that, and he suspects that it might be a, my processor in the laptop getting a little bit stressed out. So we'll see. Uh, here, I've just turned off the processing in the background. So that is without any of the Cedar uh, noise reduction plug-in. I'm going to be quiet for a minute. And that's with it engaged. Big, big difference. Yeah, makes a big difference. And that's the Cedar. That's the uh, that's the software Cedar. It is. It's the uh, C-suite part of the Universal Audio Apollo plugins. It is a relatively expensive plugin at three hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah three hundred bucks. Yeah, it's good. But it uh, Mickey was kind of a little bit gobsmacked, I think, by how much it does. It only has two controls, attenuation for room noise and ambience to bring back up a little bit. And he's got pretty aggressive because this room is not actually all that quiet. Yeah. And so he's got pretty aggressive attenuation and then just a touch of ambience back in. Yeah, the Cedar, until noise just came out, the Cedar was kind of the ruling. I had four little stereo ones and one DNS aid and we used them all the time. Um, and they're, they're really, really good. Uh, next question. Oh, I'm sorry, Tony. It's not a question. It's Tony. Apologies, guys. I, I normally listen during the week, but I just wanted to yeah. pop in for the audio hijack. My wife is working and having a good time at work. And so I just want to share briefly, I am using the Howl PR40 microphone. That goes into the Zoom H6. Zoom H6 goes into the M1 Mac Mini where Audio Hijack and Loopback are doing their thing. And are and you doing any processing? Pretty, I Is there any like filters in Hijack or somewhere else? Now, that is a Mickey question, but I can't what I can do is get show you my webcam of Audio Hijack and Loopback. If you yeah, just, just like Audio Hijack. Oh, and, and we can, it, it, overall, it sounds great. You know, it, it's obviously you have some sound in the background, so it's a little harder, um, but but it sounds great. Um, there's a mixture of, talk a little bit more. Now is the summer of our discontent made glorious summers by the sun of York in the deep oh. bosom of the ocean barrier. What's what's interesting is, is that there's a little bit of sibilance that's, that's na the nature of that mic, and then there's also, but there's not, there's some resonance there I feel like we're still not getting out of your voice. So it feels like something's processed in there somewhere. And we don't have time today to d dig into it any deeper, but, but um, uh, it sounds like there's some processing there that is not getting rid of all the sibilance, but not giving us all the resonance in your voice. And again, this is like, you sound great. You know, like you have a great voice, you have a great setup. I don't hear, um, you know, so I don't, I don't, this is, th these are like, for all of us, this is like really looking for the very last little bits of what we can pull out of some out of, out of this process yeah this is we're, we're really in this crazy um you know level uh but but i feel like there's something there's something there at you know probably 3k or something like that three or four k that we're not getting there's a little bit of resonance that i bet you is in your voice that i'm not hearing but i am still hearing a little bit of the sibilance and so i'm not sure exactly where that where that's li living um but again it's 
you're in the top 99%, top 1%. <laughs> you know, so so yeah, I wouldn't worry I about did, it too much. I, I did get the uh, Mooch Switch since uh, uh, recommended by uh, Mitchell. And so that, that, that is a tremendous difference in terms of me moving from the uh, Stream Deck to try to turn my mic on and off. So that's... Yeah, yeah, it works. Proven since the last time. Yeah, absolutely. Jeff, real quick. I'm curious to hear in this case, if you turn original sound off. We lost you there halfway in the middle there, Jeff. I think you might have muted yourself. If I turn it off, you will probably hear my wife clearer and you will hear the heater fan that she's using. And so it's now on. Wow. Yeah. So I'm going to go back to off. Right. Yeah. So that's a good example of where, yeah, that without, you know, it, it definitely, it definitely improves with, this is a case, this is why we don't tell everybody to turn original sound on um, because uh, in some environments it just isn't going to work. Like, especially if you don't have something that's a noise, some kind of noise reduction in there, but yeah, you definitely hear it. It's great. Okay, we have one more. We, we're running out of time. We have one more person to come back to, which is Nigel. Nigel, you've taken things out of the chain. What, let's see how you sound. I have, and I have the gain set at about 60, so I don't know where that's probably going to be a bit You can low. turn it up. Yeah, so I'm going to turn the gain up there. Um, I don't know I'm having any effect on the gain at all, so that's interesting. Uh, um, you may be sending it out pre-fader, so what you want to do is, is uh, push in and look at what your gain is set to on the input. Yeah, it says it's it's set to uh, when I when I'm looking at the gain, uh, it says it's set to seventy four, which seems quite high. But I think I'm playing with the volume control and not the gain. Yeah. So when you push in the volume control, is it, where does it say the gain is there on the channel? On the channel, so it says it's seventy. Hmm. Yeah, this, this, I'm doing something. And you're plugged, you're not going through anything now. You're just going straight into the Mix Pre. Straight into the Mix 3, but, but um, yeah, straight into the Mix 3. Uh, my problem is that I'm doing something wrong because when I'm pressing in the channel and changing the gain control, it's actually changing my volume on my headset. Oh, that, that's, I mean, that's, not, that's number one. So um, your, your mic is going three. to number three? Yeah. And then when you, and is that where the gain is? Yeah, and that's just changing the volume. So I, something's, skew with on my setup okay yeah um yeah we'll, we'll play with that in the future though because it's uh uh yeah it, but i i can already i already feel like i sounds better which is lower it's hard to tell until we do it but i think it might have been the cloud lifter <laughs> so um it, it, cloud lifters are not known to improve the quality of the sound just make it louder in a weird way so um so i i wouldn't put uh i wouldn't put put that in the chain if if, if you need it you need it but I wouldn't put a cloud lifter in if I had a mix pre. The mix pre should have plenty. Whatever something's happening on your end, but the mix pre should have plenty of gain in it to support that. All right, that was fun. <laughs> so it's good. It's always good. I mean, it. It. I always look at it going, do we really need to do another ruthless review? And now it's gotten to the point where we're like shaving off. You know, we're. It's like we're on the the fine fine grit of of sandpaper, <laughs> like just kind of wrap. You know, polishing. I don't even know. I think we might be. On, not even using sandpaper anymore. We're more using the polishing cloth, you know, over top of what we're doing. So when you listen to it, I mean, you hear us kind of picking at things. I mean, everything here, every person here sounds better. Um, uh, 
you know, everybody senior sounds better than almost every TV and radio station that I hear. So, so we're already, you know, past that. And now we're just, you know, stretching out our lead. I can <laughs> so, feel the so. credit card uh, exiting my wallet. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, <laughs> you know, it's friends. not it's not like we're going to keep changing everything that we have. <laughs> well, maybe. Anyway, different people come in uh, over, you know, over, uh, we, we have different people join us every time. So, or not every time, but we keep on talking about it. And again, if you're watching this, a lot of this is for our doing ruthless reviews. It's not so much that we're going to change our pipeline all the time, but it is something, it's an opportunity for about once a quarter for the folks that are watching to like tune their ears if anything changed or approved or changed, you know, and, and all the little things we're talking about, most people don't hear at all. You know, like I couldn't hear it until I put headphones in that really had all the range in them to, to grab, grab onto it. So anyway, we're, we're doing fine, fine tuning. So anyway, that's, there you go. All right. Uh, we uh, got a great, um, I, I, I don't have the, hold on, let me see here. Um, uh, we're getting to the end here and I'm a little uh, discombobulated because I've been working on my layout. Um, and um, so, um, but uh, yeah, we've got, uh, I was going to try to pre-sell it, but the problem now is that I, I don't write all these and they're not sitting in my head. They used to just be sitting in my head. So if I don't, if someone doesn't post them in the panel chat, I don't remember what, what we're doing next. So anyway, um, uh, so, uh, so it's, it's great. Um, thank you to everyone, to the uh, panelists um, uh, for, for being here. We can't do this without you. And thanks for being like willing to do this, <laughs> like to will, willing to kind of um, be part of this process in front of everyone. It's really great. Um, I think it's a really great learning experience. It's why our show looks and sounds the way it is, is because of these ruthless reviews. You know, that's, that's what, you know, we're pushing, pushing the envelope of these things. Um, thanks to the, thanks to the producers for all the great questions, keeping everything moving forward. And, uh, and thanks to the incredible team on the back end that's just constantly improving and putting up with oftentimes me, um, you know, to, you know, complaining about things, pushing at things, not doing things the way I should. So, um, so anyway, so thanks to that. Yeah, thanks to all of you for managing all of that and making it happen. Now, we traveled 34,000 miles, relatively casual day as far as our travel, um, uh, 56,000 kilometers, 315 million bananas for scale. And uh, now we are going to uh, jump into After Hours. Think tomorrow's Paul Richards of PTC Optics. Oh, yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah, that's going to be good. So, I get dependent on things. People post things in the panel once, and then I'm like, dependent on <laughs> You only have to do it once, and then I'm like, okay, this is going to be here when I look over. How about a ruthless whispering review? There's a lot of styles to whispering. I personally think that my whispering is pretty, it's, it's just right down the middle. It's right down this little lane. Some people whisper too loud. Some people listen. Some people talk like this really. That's not whispering. It drives me crazy, the people that don't know how to whisper, and they fluctuate between the whisper and the 